One, two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Includes, but is not led to who? Talk of Star Wars, not Reagans. We can truly prepare for the jump that follows this song. But hey, we gave it a try. So here's the Knights of they are divided For equal, sequel, pain and love they fight I know that we are just musicians hired And their time is up So here's the Knights of Vader I'm the spy a big thank you to an inspiriority complex for providing our theme song. It is January 5th, 2020. My name is Zach Weber and I am joined by Zanger. Look for my book in stores, everyone. Life, my life is an unknown podcaster. And Russ. That's my line. Hello, hello. <laughs> and welcoming him back tonight's Evader, the fifth or sixth premiere Star Wars Canadian vintage collector, Chris Porteous. Happy to join you guys tonight. Yes, folks. We are doing another Rise of Skywalker episode. Two years ago, we had Last Jedi January. Now we have awkward-sounding sentence January, Rise of something month. I don't know. It's all sorts of Rise of Skywalker nonsense. Who knows anymore? Um, but no, we. I figured we haven't, again, having everybody here. I know Rob and I talked about Rise of Skywalker last week, but it's been roughly, what, three weeks now since we talked about it zenger russ and i and we definitely don't know chris's opinion but a couple weeks ago chris actually wrote something quite profound the knights of vader facebook group asking me what i thought of the film oh, wait there's and... still how's their sound <laughs> what he's trying to eat me <laughs> it's battlegrounds he's fired it up yeah, oh, i fired up battlegrounds and i didn't realize there was going to be sound this is awkward <laughs> Russ, just because he keeps making sound doesn't mean you have to like match him beat for beat. <laughs> oh, that's why. Okay, thank you, Zanger. Uh, I'm glad to see thank your mute you. button doesn't work. Um, uh, no, but Chris had a very, rather profound question for me in the Knights of Vader Facebook group about just uh, relating the sequel trilogy to the prequels and the original trilogy and how uh, we would kind of rank these films or rate them relative to what Lucas had done. And Chris was always going to be invited back on for a Rise of Skywalker episode, but that kind of really greased the wheels, and I figured, let's get him on here ASAP. So um, with that being said, Chris, do you remember what you said, or should I bring it up on Facebook, or remind our audience, or tell our audience? Well, I don't know how... Tell with I, your words. I, I don't... <laughs> I don't know how specific you guys want to get, but I, the gist of it, you, and you can elaborate if this is insufficient for you, but the gist of it is it's hard for me to really look at these as a continuation of the other six movies purely because you have one author and now you have a bunch of cooks in the kitchen. You don't even It's not even that it got taken over by a singular author who's sort of guiding the story. It's draft after revision after revision with who knows how many hands in the pot, right? So it's I th I'm kind of at peace with not viewing them as a continuation of that narrative. Mm. I can kind of see that because, uh, I mean, Lucas just, you know, having that strong hand, no one stepped up and took that strong hand with these. I mean, J.J. seemed like he wanted to in the last one. I'm sure you've talked about all those leaks and the things that he wanted to do with it. But, yeah, there's no, like, guiding hand that thought this whole thing out. So you're, that's fair. 
there's just too many there's just too many winks at the audience in relation to like production elements that we shouldn't know about you know it almost feels like you guys remember how carrie fisher died check out what we were able to do with that uh snoke got killed in the last one they're publicly telling us that the emperor coming back wasn't part of the plan like days before we see the movie it doesn't really make you feel like somebody sort of masterminded the whole thing it's like they planned it all on the weekend and told us it was done for years. Uh, it's like the that was the original ready prequel. The public wasn't ready for the son of Mortis yet. Well, you know, at least <laughs> at least with the, at least with the prequels, like you can go all the way back to to uh, nineteen seventy six and see a real loose summary of them in the first couple pages of the Star Wars novelization. So, like, it, there was there was seeds there. You know, it wasn't made up quite as last minute as, as these were like close. Yeah, and you get a point about those little nods to the production because stuff like that, like it just takes me out of the fact that I'm just watching a movie and maybe just being older and those, you know, watching star Wars as a kid, it kind of, it burns in your brain. It's definitely here, a factor. Just kind of aware that this is not a fantasy movie. I'm sucked into it. It is just a movie. Okay. Boomer. <laughs> I th- he was just acknowledging that he is a boomer. That's pretty advanced for a boomer, you know. It's I, too yeah. advanced, actually. Oh no, he's self-aware. <laughs> yeah. Skynet's active. Yeah. Oh uh, no, not but, this. okay. But the question to answer, like uh, Chris's question though, about like the thing about Palpatine not being planned, and I know Chris, you listen to the podcast. Sorry. The, the Palpatine. Th- yes, my condolences <laughs> to everybody who listens on a weekly basis. In that aftermath, Empire's End book, they reference Palpatine. It does set up a lot. Like, I'm not sure. Maybe if they were seeding a lot of stuff, just in case they had contingencies. Like, oh, we're going to like seed things here. We're going to seed things there. We're going to seed things that people are never going to know. But if that is the case, I haven't found anything else being like, oh, like. Because what was that thing they did? What was it when the Last Jedi was coming out? There was some like promotional book talking about like Snoke's long lost apprentice, and that was all. Remember, everybody was thinking that was going to be Matt Smith's character. Do you remember that? Wait, I forgot about Matt Smith. Where was he? Got in this. <laughs> so is that is that what? a real rumor? The Matt. So like, is the Matt Smith one bogus? Like, do we want to rank the reliability of the rumors that are out there right now? <laughs> Well, it's weird. Like the fandom's in a, an odd place right now because everybody's so enamored with the with the with the notion that making Star Wars and Jedi packs has got everything so right. And there's a lot of conspiracies being thrown around that there's some insider bad robot that was very disgruntled as to what Lucasfilm was doing to the film, and this was their quote unquote revenge. Um, I will have my revenge. I that's I, I God, we've never had any I can't think of the last time a movie of this caliber was spoiled this far in advance. And clearly it was somebody who was deep, deep into the film that knew was it everything. Palpatine himself? I don't know. The dark side is a pathway to many abilities, some consider to be unnatural. Like Twitter. <laughs> you mean <laughs> uh but no, like so, so Chris, the whole thing with Matt Smith, uh the rumor is Matt Smith was supposed to be the son of Mortis, and like Russ kind of joked, the public wasn't ready for that yet. <laughs> but your kids are going to love it. <laughs> oh, man. It's a Back but the, to the Future reference. But I, that's the thing I keep trying like, to figure out with this film, is that, I, I guess, Chris, just to get everybody kind of a baseline for you, what do you think of this film? What's, what's your overall opinion of it? 
Oh man! All right, so <laughs> well, we'll, we'll start. solid start, right. solid so start. It's, sir. Like the, I would say, it's um, it's the most, it's it's the most entertaining of of, the, of these three for me. I kind of view like I kind of view Last Jedi as the most the uh, the closest one to being an actual film <laughs> out of the three. <laughs> but, I like but, that. But this one is like this one is kind of like. If I if I really try to like to not think about it, th- this one keeps me entertained much like um, what I imagine people feel when they watch Avengers films, which I don't. God bless you. Oh, what a what an amazing world you must live in. <laughs> so wow, that came off harsh. No, no, you're not wrong. Okay, okay. <laughs> this, this, okay. This is you know, Chris isn't wrong. I was thinking about that. This is kind of Star Wars is equivalent to Avengers Endgame, where it's like, oh, none of this makes sense, but it's a lot of fun. So just let's go just with go it. with it. it. Thank you, Zanger. Um, but the uh, yeah, but the, they forget that that's not that's not that Star Wars isn't that kind of film that they, these movies aren't just going to be but, for, uh, thrown <laughs> away. They're not. At least they're not supposed to be just thrown away. If they're you know put in the saga we all care for, we're supposed to pine over these and, and figure out all the meaning of it forever. But if it doesn't mean anything, then you can't do that. Okay, but has there has there ever been a bigger don't think about it, just go with it than when the the Hobbit is explaining how Palpatine might be back? It's like. He rhymes off like three, like totally ra- like random possible explanations, and they're like, "Yeah, whatever. He's back, though. So let's not continue that." Because they, they have to deal with the problem at hand. They can't sit there and figure out why he's back. That just that just wastes time. I mean, well, they, I mean, the, like you know, the obvious the, the the obvious initial thought would be, well, it's obviously not true. Because you know they they like they had those they, like in Battlefront they had those those robots like you know we're talking about Star Wars they could fake Palpatine's voice right like you know they got technology why would you instantly believe that it's real in the first place <laughs> just got good me point right, got me right there it's like he's definitely alive we heard one voice recording of him does everyone remember the storyline of the Battlefront two game yeah well it was that division of stormtroopers that uh no no i'm I'm seriously asking does anyone remember the (laughs) storyline of that game i I remember the opening stuff i don't think i ever got that far in the campaign well you do know the emperor was making people do some stuff and that was robots with a hologram face yes that float around and yell at people yeah, I think that combined with the stuff, the chapter of that book with all the stuff about Jakku in this, what was it, a lighthouse to the moon or something? Didn't they have some kind of like a telescope? <laughs> a lighthouse to the moon? Yeah, some kind, kind of Sith temple on Jakku, like yeah. five blocks away from where Ray was hanging out that whole time. I wonder yeah. if that's anything to do with that giant thing over there. It's just a big <laughs> black pyramid floating with a beam coming out of the top. Nah, there, there's, there's 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 so many there's so many things I want to I want to get your guys' opinion on, but like it's like I apologize for the lack of structure. You're, you're warned. You are you should be warned ahead of time of what you're about to open. Okay, but let's well just just starting like starting from like right at the beginning. Why why do you guys why do you guys think they they avoided showing Vader's castle even though he's right outside the door? I think okay, I have a reason for that. And uh, Chris, do you have the visual dictionary? I haven't I haven't seen it up here in Canada oh. for sale, so I might okay. pick it up and see it. So right. everyone at home, open to page five. <laughs> no, the isn't thing that I... neat? What's on that page? Because I'm sure it has nothing to do with what we're about to talk about. No, it has to do with Vader's castle. Because I'm I'm glad he Is brought that on that page up because... five. 
It probably isn't. Okay, no, the, first, good. the first like the first twenty pages of the visual dictionary is kind of like recapping the se- sequel trilogy. It's really Yay. weird. Um, so for people who didn't buy the first two, I guess you have a like a little like snapshot of everything. But no, well, the Vader's it's, ca- it's because they didn't know how the movie was going to be edited, so they had to like take up some real estate up front just in case. Interesting. I, the movie being edited badly. Well, hmm. they just had no idea what the movie was going to be when they had to finalize the book. That's all. It, <laughs> that's all it is. But the Vader's the Vader's castle thing is in the visual dictionary. They talk about that the people that Kylo Ren is slaughtering are Vader acolytes. They're like weird sort of like devotees to Vader. And I and I, again, I don't know why they cut that sequence because apparently in the visual dictionary they even reference it. They say Vader's castle is in a state of like disrepair and like almost like if you ever seen one of those like abandoned mental hospitals that's kind of the picture they paint that like really it's like decrepit and it's falling apart oh, and like cropsy or something yeah exactly i i don't know why they didn't do that but somebody on again i've become really plugged into raylo twitter and i absolutely love it so much <laughs> oh my god uh, those, no, those people those no, people are my brethren no, stop everyone so no much. are they um, hanging in there can we just get a, a quick raylo uh update from twitter are they okay um, I think they're they're organ as of right now, but just like a week and a half ago by the time we're going to be something stupid. This. It's going to be something they, so stupid. No, no, they're organizing like a Twitter campaign to get like Ben Solo dessert better trending on Twitter. I think I think as of now, but I could be wrong. Oh my! But I no, the, the Vader's castle thing is that based on a lot of the stuff I've been reading on Twitter, it seemed like JJ. My, this is my interpretation combined with what I've been reading online was that Kylo Ren is slaughtering acolytes of the original trilogy these are people that are worshiping vader blindly they refuse to see anything but the original trilogy and he's literally just <laughs> mowing right through them and their weird devotion to something that really they shouldn't value that highly and someone said oh disney might have seen that as something because there's a lot of stuff too i think there was a i'm not sure it's not a hugely popular youtube channel but it's an account i think called george recall smith and he did an entire thing about just like Disney's lack of like uh, structure with the sequel trilogy and how they were too hands off. Um, the video makes some interesting points, but at the end of the day, I think it's uh, it's I think we the diagnosis is correct in one respect, but I think the 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 resolution that the person offers is different than what it should be. They think the reason why the sequel trilogy is a mess, like we kind of already mentioned, was because Disney was too hands off with it. I think it's the exact opposite. I think the sequel trilogy became a mess because. Disney meddled with it too much. I think in you have Force Awakens was left alone, no, relatively left alone. Rogue One they meddled and they got they got a hail mary out of that. Last Jedi to this day is the inexplicable mystery of, of Disney Star Wars, and that it's the film that had really no problems behind the scenes yet has the most quote unquote divisive reaction. And we all know how Solo turned out. But to answer your question, the, the kind of no, we I, don't. No one watched it. No, nobody watched the Last Jedi. Um, Meant solo, but okay. That too. Um, but no, the Vader's Castle thing, I think there was something to that that they didn't like. I think there was something going on in that sequence to either there. Because remember, Vader's Castle is being used for a bunch of things in other ancillary media. They're thinking about the VR thing is a huge project that, for the most part, I don't want to say is flopping, but nobody cares about it. 
Um, I don't think anybody's buying a four hundred dollar Oculus Rift headset for Vader Immortal. Yeah, which that's I've heard some it- high. That's some high high end stuff for for the, your average Star Wars guy. I've seen commercials that I'm like, yeah, it looks amazing, but I'll, I'll never, I'll probably never get that thing. Well, not yeah. only that, but you can just watch if you're interested in the storyline. You just watch the whole thing on YouTube, like five minutes after each chapter gets dropped. So, if you're just interested in from from a canon perspective and you're not big on VR, it's available for free rather right. immediately. You can just pretend in your room while you're playing. That might highlight the limited number of options that there actually are in the game. <laughs> he's not wrong, people. No, he's not. I was going to pick that anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's what it is. I think there's something going on with Vader's Castle with, with Lucasfilm where it was like, ah, we other things are using this. We You can't be using this right now. And that's why. Because again, that sequence lasts for what, 30 seconds? We see the ships flying toward the planet. He's on the planet mowing people down. And people have done some freeze frames of that sequence. That sequence is really graphic. He's cutting people's arms off. He's, he's, it's, it, I think it's the first time in a while, like, I think probably in the Disney era, where we actually see some like major violence in Star Wars, like in, in, like, in the future Yay! film. Boy, try not yay that. It felt like that last Jedi uh, Praetorian guard hole segment when they were when they were popping guys through the face. That seemed to when it started to amp up to me as far as lightsaber violence in, in the films and the way it's portrayed. Do you think? Do you think um, they the fact that Vader's castle is only been presented in either the comics and Rogue One has anything to do with why they didn't want to show it? Like, do you think they wanted to avoid people who are have only been paying attention to the main films from wondering what that is possibly maybe yeah i think the rogue one connection is hard for the you know common star wars fan who would be like when did that take place what was that part anyway because it's not like i don't know it's not like that creepy old guy that everyone loved from rogue one is in it to guide (laughs) us through zach you're like a pretty much an expert on um all those, all of the, all of the emperors, like little cronies, like those old dudes who follow him around in Return of the <laughs> Jedi, right? Like that one book you keep referencing yes. that talks about Palpatine's return. That's one of those guys, right? Well, uh, his name is Yup Tashu, and he's not one of the dignitaries in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I know. So, but is the guy in Rogue One one of the dignitaries in Return of the Jedi, or is that yet another one of these guys? Ah, uh, what was his name? <laughs> I, I forget. I forget what his name is off the top of my head. But I Man. Can see him. Russ, we're doing this all wrong. You need to just put Zach on the spot with knowledge references. <laughs> That's how right. you really get to him, not yeah. this foolish joking around that we do constantly. He's got a great name too. We got a race to find it. <laughs> uh, no, but he was. I don't think uh, Vader's assistant is. I don't think he's. He's supposed to be. Uh, I think he could be, but I think when you come to when it comes to the Emperor's like quasi like. Oh God! Uh, oh God, Chris, you know the words for them. How do they, how do they describe in Return of the Jedi? His advisors, his McClunkies. <laughs> that one, that one behind the scenes picture of them all doing like a like a like a hip hop album cover is. Oh. <laughs> oh my God, that's a great photo. You know, I was just about to say them them all doing the Wu Tang symbol, but you you beat me to it with you know the real thing that happened. <laughs> it was a lot more general, but it, I can imagine a Wu Tang symbol in that shot. <laughs> It should be photoshopped in. Somebody should do that. I'll get to work on it immediately. <laughs> but I do think that the advisors of Vader 
are um, not Vader, the advisors of Palpatine. Like, did you, you know the episode, the World Between Worlds on Rebels, and you have the Malcolm McDowell character. Right. That's that's the caliber. That's the caliber of what Yub Tashu is in the Empire uh, aftermath. Empire's end. So, but you, so you brought that book up a few times. You said that, that's like 2017, right? It it was published February 2017, which me- leads me to believe that probably was written sometime during the summer of uh, 2016. Which means that it's impossible that they knew for a fact that Palpatine was going to be in Episode Nine when they did that. Or did they? I I I. I uh... That's the, the problem, though, is that like Chris Terrio keeps shooting his mouth off, and he's like, "Oh, it was Kathleen Kennedy's idea." Nope, it was my idea, and he keeps like just putting out different theories. So I don't know if he's deliberately just creating a smokescreen. Um, again, we're never going to know. Like in twenty, thirty years from now, we're going to get the greatest behind-the-scenes book of all time based on this era of Star Wars and just kind of the mess it was on a, a production level. It's uh, going to be great when uh, when JJ is like seventy and he goes on like. Um like uh future charlie rose and just starts popping off about like everything that happened to him <laughs> during the making of this film like some of the if, if if there's like i don't think he's i don't I, I don't really think he's like a super intellectual great filmmaker but if any of the if there's any truth to the rumors of the level of studio manipulation that was going on with him just driving him up the wall it's gonna be amazing and we'll definitely hear about it someday <laughs> maybe but to answer your question, though, the person that was Vader's attendant in uh, Rogue One's name was Vane. And that's he's listed as an attendant, not any sort of advisor or. Right. Yeah, he's an attendant. Vane. 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 Good old Vane. Where's that action figure, Hasbro? I'll buy he hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't <laughs> achieved the rank of big purple hat and cloak yet. <laughs> yeah. We can't be so lucky. Uh, but no, again, the whole thing I know I, I've I, now I kind of really regret it not doing that aftermath Empire's End like episode. I know at one point I was priming Russ and Zenger to do it, and I canceled it. I know I. Well, I still didn't read it, so I mean. No, I might give everybody the audio for that. I need to. I'm. I. I actually wanted. The time you didn't look, it was like it was an audio chapter he sent us. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I think it, I still have it on my computer. I inserted it to one episode. It's. Okay, I might have to insert it again because it's profound. It's so profound. Like he actually says, I wish I had that. Do I have that book? I have that book somewhere, but I don't have it within like arm's reach. But like he actually says, like, the emperor will be reborn. He'll be back. He like he explicitly <laughs> yeah, says but- it. Tashu gambles down in front of the artifacts, his fingertips dancing along their cases. He mutters to himself and Rax sees that he's chewed his own lips bloody. Are you ready? He asks Palpatine's old advisor. I am, Tashu says, turning. His cheeks are wet with tears, his teeth slick with red. Palpatine lives on. We will find him again out there in the dark. Everything has arranged itself as our master foretold. All things move toward the great design. The sacrifices have all been made. That's great, but like, you know, they did, like, at the same time as that's all going on, they've had a rebooted Thrawn trilogy, right? And, I mean, you did, like, it could have been totally within the realm of possibility of getting around to a series of novels that are just a retelling of, of, um heir to the empire so like they they could have brought back palpatine anytime in any medium you know it was a safe thing to foreshadow 
But that's a, like it's something that got completely overlooked. And Chris, you know all the major like professional fandom channels. None of them touched on this. Star Wars Theory, Star Wars Explained, the podcasting <laughs> cartel. None of them touched on this. Wait a minute. And they all had book reviews too. Right? I wonder if there's a conspiracy. They're never actually reading anything. That's amazing. <laughs> no one reads a thing, including Stupendous Wave. He didn't read a dang thing. I, I don't know though. That I still think that book and even that I know it's like getting the, too personal again. Fine, whatever. At this point, I don't care. Let's, you know, it's, there's no Star Wars movies for three years. Let them let them intimidate anybody they want. Mm. Uh, no, no, no. Because if I make him angry we'll, enough, he'll come on the show and I can yell at him in person. <laughs> but even, will I, the Emperor ever return, though? Do you guys think? What? I mean, now? come on. They've defeated him three times. Whatever. Yeah, well, another come on, time. Russ, come on, Russ. Third time's the charm. Oh, they can throw him down. Never say never again. Show. But they're but they can prequel him up. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be. Like, they keep talking about that new, the, the new age of what are they calling it? The high age. The uh, what? What? What's making what, Star Wars High Republic? The higher of high. Re- yeah, what is that? That sounds like a weed thing or something. It's, it's like, after the old Republic, but before Episode One. Four hundred years high before Republic. Episode One. Oh, so the they Republic, have Yoda, of course. Why not? Republic God forbid. was super, super, super chill back then. It's the they high were Republic. really into reggae. And those sweatshirts. Has, has, so this is probably like I should probably know the answer to this, but like, has <laughs> do you have that classic line in a in a New Hope where Obi Wan describes the age of the Republic as a thousand a, for a thousand generations? Like, so what are we looking at? <laughs> like, like what is the like? There's obviously no canon beginning of the Republic at this point, but um, like. A thousand, what, what's a thousand generations? Like, what does that even mean in Star Wars terms? Jedis are really short-lived. It's just something we don't <laughs> want to talk about. Oh my gosh, no, that's it's factual. Look at Obi-Wan. Look at how quickly he aged. The Force takes a toll on you. Well, he died at like 58, right? Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. he looked like 88. Did you guys see recently that comparison of um of Space Bail Organa, Jimmy Smith's his character from Rogue One next to... Uh, Alec Guinness's picture and like these guys aged over the same time period and it's like <laughs> it's like Jimmy Smith looks amazing and next to Alec Guinness you're like whoa <laughs> like that's a real hard Disney you should have aged up uh, Jimmy Smith a little more well he's like he's like a rich Alderaan guy and Obi Wan's been living in the desert so that's pretty much yeah. how it plays out yeah I give it a pass <laughs> <laughs> hard pass on that one. Uh, but yeah, anything? Okay, Chris. Or more Rise of Skywalker stuff. We can always circle back to uh, the High Republic in, in due time. I, I I got a Rise of Skywalker thing I wanted to mention. Shoot, Sanger. All right. So I found this uber interesting, and it's something I pointed out on the. Yeah, I'm going to do it on this one, Zach. Deal with it on the Zygnus review of Rise of Skywalker, since apparently that entire episode should have just been called "Plug, Plug, Plug." Knights of Vader. I loved it. I, I listened to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah oh i'm listening to it i'm like oh i finally done it folks i have permeated zengness i yep. i am the i am the official star wars presence even when i'm not there on zengness it, it was it was awful um yes but was. but me and me and um oh my god i was about to say me and zach god you're really yes. getting in my head um, yes so me me and eric were discussing and we mentioned that there was a video that came out that had the whole ray palpatine theory yeah, two yeah. years ago Mm-hmm. I yeah, actually about her fighting style in uh, TFA. You're talking about that video. 
Yes, mm-hmm. I actually yeah. took the time to watch the video, and the guy makes some really good points the entire time. Misses the mark on a few of them, but there's some stuff that I'm like, were they really seeding this for a while? Like her being Palpatine's, like, related to Palpatine? Or, because I mean, Palpatine coming back, yeah, we can all admit that was probably something that was like a last minute, like, we need a villain. But her being a Palpatine. We needed one more. We could have so used one three sixty Ray spin though to really seal it. With she the screen, that, that would have been yeah, too obvious. That so would have been whose really video like, was that? It who's was it? done by Nerd Soup. I know there's a few others that have done one, but that's one I watched, and he talked about her fighting style, the way that she lunges forward with her lightsaber. There's only one other person that does it that exact way. But at the same time, she never was trained, so that might be some inherent skill to Palpatine. It, it, it's all. It was all, if I remember, I based off the fight in The Force Awakens against yes. Kylo Ren at the very end. Well, the, the, this was pre-Last Jedi, this video, so it's actually nice to watch. Mm-hmm. It, it's a very interesting one. They talk about the score with John Williams. Kind of has a few elements of um, of Palpatine, and it, like Palpatine's theme and Ray's theme have a few elements in common. Like, like there's... The guy does a really good job, and it's kind of eerie to see it now, like, in retrospect, like, since what we know, it's like, wow, were they really planning that, at least? Like, we, we as we said, we all know that Palpatine being in this was a last-minute thing, but was Ray being a Palpatine always the plan or not? Well, uh, it's funny you mention that. It must be an obvious idea, because I heard a, uh, there's another Star Wars podcast that I listen to. Sorry, guys. There's oh, one no. <laughs> And it's uh, the Star Wars Collectors Archive podcast, and they replayed a clip from a show they okay. had two two years ago, where they he they went over a similar thing and talked about how the fighting style one thing, but the other thing the host honed in on was that it her being Palpatine's descendant would make her a sort of perfect mirror image of Kylo Ren, and I guess that's story-wise a little bit more interesting than like I think the fighting style thing is just. I think that people are reading too much into that probably, but, but sort of what it does to sort of contribute to this notion of them being a dyad in the forest or whatever they're calling it. That, I, I think. <laughs> sure. Why not? Let's go with it. It's more interesting in that it, the words in the movie, you guys can help me out with what it, what it was. It's, it's you have it right. It's dyad. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like it's more it, like when you think of it in terms of making them sort of an equal match for each other, it makes a lot of sense in that way. You know, I just thought of something else. Instead of saying, you know, just just go with it or don't think about it, there's one one thing we should say as Star Wars fans instead now. Um, Russ, if you may. This is the way. Thank you. I don't know. Is that what we're doing? Yes. yes that's <laughs> exactly bet, what I was looking for. I'll back Chris up. I, I've listened to the same show. And, yeah, that guy did call it. Uh, Sky Payne called it a couple years ago. And being the, the mirror image of uh, of Emperor and uh, Kylo Ren and in that whole Ray relationship, yeah, good on him. He he called it for real. So it's about so as what, old as that other video. Yeah, so I guess a few people do, were thinking it. So what we need to do, Zach, is just have me just go on a crazy rant one day, so that we have backlogs of you me gotta have claiming every. Something. You got to claim every possible scenario for the Zanger. We <laughs> I gotta will. Get everything we'll, we'll, going. Well, Zenger um, and I got the next, lightsaber right back, like in November of 2018. Zenger and I were like did an entire episode about like what like what Ray's lightsaber in Episode Nine would be, and at the very end, we're like, "What if she just fixes the like the Luke one 
And we're like, no, they wouldn't be that creatively That's bankrupt. So <laughs> yeah, we're like, there's no way they'd do that. And it, like, the, I'm not joking. The last like five minutes of that episode, it's like Zanger, no. I'm like picking up Zanger and throwing him down the energy shaft. This Palpatine, like Zanger, what have you cursed this cursed me with? And then well, like, you watch the trailer, and it's like, oh wait, that's what they literally did. They brought back the lightsaber. Well, to be fair, so if, they, it. if they were going to parrot the original trilogy exactly, she would have made a new green lightsaber instead they're of not that clever. They're not that clever. <laughs> what? They're not that clever to watch a movie? Exactly. It's easier it's to have a, to repair it. But it's not exactly what happened in the other in the original trilogy. To be fair. Well. Sure, but okay. Two things I want to talk about real quick. One, I want to kind of put my own thoughts on just the, the 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 Ray Palpatine thing, and about like how far they were like whether this was planned or not. I I don't agree with the notion that the Palpatine thing, like him coming back, whether Ray's his granddaughter or not. I I still think that's stupid. I get how it makes sense on a thematic level. And I appreciate it in that capacity, um, but I don't on a personal level. I don't care for it. Um, but I don't think Palpatine coming back was something beyond my my weird affinity for Aftermath, Empire's End. I do think this was in the cards since the beginning. Because everybody freaked out after them killing Lord Emperor Snoke. And it's like Ruin Johnson ruined Star Wars when they kill, killed Lord Emperor Snoke. And it's like, folks, Ryan Johnson had to go through the same like rounds of committees. Like Chris said earlier, the rounds upon rounds of just signing off on different drafts. Why would you kill Snoke unless you had a reason? Unless there was something else behind the scenes. I, I still think that Snoke was always a surrogate of Palpatine in the sense of he was so derivative of Palpatine as a character. He's the giant, he's this omnipotent figure off in the distance in Force Awakens, very similar to how the Emperor is in, in Empire Strikes Back. Look at how far him. away I am. Well, it's true. That's essentially what it is. He's, he's essentially for the he's only a hologram in Force Awakens, which what the Emperor is in Empire. And no. then you and then you sit yeah, there and, bring and him Phantom in Phantom Menace as well. Yeah, and oh. then I, again, I think that I think that was the plan all along. I don't think Snoke dying was this weird moment where Ryan Johnson somehow like locked all the executives in a broom closet one day. It's like, okay, guys, we're shooting this quick. Get everybody on set. I, I, don't, I don't think you don't, it's something like that. You don't. They you don't make it think, sound like a. They make it sound like a dare. A lot of people that is if Ryan Johnson was like, I'm going to kill Snoke, and that way Kylo Ren has to be the big bad guy. And that's what you guys have to do because I did it. It's like no, uh, that Emperor thing was there all along. <laughs> yeah. I, I do. You, but do you not think it was just like Ryan Johnson's writing TFA, and he's like, he's just like, guys, I'm going to do something totally bold. You ready for this? I'm going to no. kill Snoke. Wait, what? Wait. You just you don't think he just pitched it to them and they were like, Pitch that Van sounds Zinger bold. sits up in seat. That <laughs> sounds bold. We'll figure it out later. Let's do I, that. I, I, uh, I, okay. There's also the like 800 pound gorilla in the room of it was also okay, Pitchman Singer. <laughs> <laughs> That's way funnier than it should be. Um, <laughs> it is for no apparent reason. <laughs> This whole time, Pitchman Zenger is just the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Um, with a pair of like, a really thick framed glasses. Uh, <laughs> no one will notice. <laughs> um, but no, is that like Ryan Johnson was hired in March of 2016. JJ hadn't even finished. I'm sorry, he, he, Ryan Johnson was hired in March of 2015. That JJ was like almost was, a decade ago. If you say that almost now. a decade ago. But Ryan, I'm sorry, JJ was reshooting that film that summer. So Ryan Johnson was trying to write a script on a film, I'm sorry, write a sequel that wasn't even locked in yet. So you really 
can't blame him. And considering that Last Jedi is the really out of all the Star Wars films, it's the only one that's so directly tied to its predecessor in such a unique way. Um, again, that's another Herculean task on the part of Ryan Johnson. And then the true 800 pound gorilla in the room was that JJ never wanted to make this movie. It was Colin Madman Trevorrow who was hired. And the rumor is the unofficial rumor is that Colin Madman Trevorrow had a script. And the moment Carrie Fisher As died, most madman do <laughs> the moment Carrie Fisher died, he didn't know what to do with his script. That was, that was the joke was that, that I'm sorry, not the joke. That was the narrative. Was that when she passed away, Disney went back to him and said, because we all know the story now. Episode seven was Han's film. Episode eight was Luke's film. Episode nine was uh, Gibby Leia's film. And so when she episode died, episode ten is Zori Bliss's film. We know it goes on. <laughs> it never <laughs> ends. Uh, but I think that's what it was. And, and Colin Madman Trevorrow didn't know what to do. He refused to budge, and they fired him. And J.J. got brought in because J.J. is a shell. He's, he's a stooge. He does what he's told. So if Kathleen Kennedy in September says, we want to reshoot most of this film, or whether it be her or Bob Iger or Alan Horn, he goes, okay. They go jump. He goes, how high? And that's why they hire someone like him. Is because he's not going to push back. And the most resistance he's given to this entire process is that he's given a couple of really passive-aggressive interviews. And by the way, J.J. Abrams, you are, interviews. speaking so, of which, J.J., you should come on this show. You have a welcome, as you can see. It's a welcoming place for you, J.J. I want to know what's in the box, though. <laughs> so, well, that you're and never going to get him on if you demand that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, but, so on that subject of these passive-aggressive interviews, though, like how much how much credence are we giving to, to the rumors of the, the studio influence on the post-production process? Oh, we're getting into this right. now? Yes, I want to answer this. When it comes to the Reddit rumors, and I said it last week, um, I, I believe them almost, like not, I, there's a bunch of bullet points, but I believe them almost entirely. Um, It makes sense, and I really don't want to reiterate it because I said it a lot last week. But if you know anything about how this company works, being Disney, um, all the signs are there. They, can, they, they meddle. Like, and the problem is that the meddling has got so much more pronounced because... They want this to be Marvel so badly. They want this to be something where they literally can just churn out a billion dollar film every three months. Um, they don't care about the fact, and I think we said it earlier, they don't care if these movies are disposable. They want that thing. Like Nobody's going to remember Brie Larson's Captain Marvel in a couple of months. That movie came out less than a year ago, and nobody remembers it. It did? Exactly. Like, it's like my, son, my son got a, uh, a goose toy, the cat from that movie, and he still asked me what it was, and we saw that movie in the theater. <laughs> I actually, funny enough... Well, it's a cat, to be fair. On that note, I was referring to Goose the other day because Ellie has a pop figure. I'm like, where's your Chewy pop figure? And she goes, I don't have a Chewy one. I'm like, the cat from um, from that Marvel movie. And she's like, you mean? And I was like, yeah, his name in the comics is Chewy, though. And she's like, what? <laughs> Very confused. But yeah, so there's your fun fact for the day, everyone. But that's that's the point I'm trying to make, though. Like, even like, okay, if you look at the top grossing films of this year, okay, you have like both. I think it's both internationally and domestically. The highest grossing film is Avengers Endgame. I'm sorry, last year I mean, is Avengers Endgame, and then after that it's the Lion King remake. And, 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 and 
look at that Lion King remake. That is don't nobody's actually fault. don't look at it. Well, it's, it's it a cause damage. As a concept, look at it. Oh, okay. And Say. it's nobody's favorite film. Nobody particularly likes it. Yeah, it made a billion and a half dollars. It's wow. going to make more than the like. I don't care how. As a, our Star Wars fans, amongst a lot of us, and to all of our devoted listeners out there, I don't care how much you don't like the the Rise of Skywalker. I think we can all agree we would rather watch the Rise of Skywalker right now than the Lion King remake. And yet, that movie will make easily. $400 million more than The Rise of Skywalker. And when it comes to, and yes, The Rise of Skywalker was edited with a wood chipper, but at least it's not dead behind the eyes like The Lion King remake is. Mm-hmm. But, but, and like Chris was saying, all, like, look at Disney's history. You, all, Disney has a lot of films out there, and not all of them are winners. For every Lion King, like the 1994 film, there's a bunch of films that nobody remembers. I'm, I'm conceding that. The Black Cauldron. Well, there's other weirder ones too that nobody remembers. Uh, more obscure Black films. Hole. Are you just yeah. trying to pick up Song of the South again? My uh, God, I just watched The Black Hole on Disney Plus. That's something else, man. Yeah, yeah it, 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 it is. Ooh, yeah. I need to watch it if it's on Disney Plus. It is. God. I watched it's it. The like, only other thing on there that I want. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the point being, though, is that. They they don't want to make I, I don't think Disney's concerned with making Memorable films anymore I think if people like it they're not going to complain But it's the idea that it's called let's make It's called let's make a buck That's all this is that's all they make now Even take Toy Story 4 That film made 1.1 billion dollars so, And nobody cares so what is Disney's it, so, thing is copying stuff though And now they can't copy because they own it already So they can't They'll just have to copy themselves That's where they're stuck so, and not saying I, that the things they copied were bad of doing fairy tales and trying to copy Star Wars or whatever they tried to do. A lot of times it really worked, but I think they're just out now. But am they're I getting just, am I getting the sense that your your opinion on the film has changed, Zach? No, no. I okay. This is the part where I think I have to really explain to people. Um, I'm a, I'm I'm insane. I should just I think that goes without saying. But just for the sake of argument, I'm going to lay that out here. Um, remember, I'm the person that in the other podcast I do. I'm not sure if you ever heard of it. It's called Cinemodies. Never the heard adult, of it. No, I think it's the first time it's ever been said on this podcast before. Yes. The first episode of that podcast is me talking about Batman v Superman and how essentially it's a quasi love letter to the tragedy of 9 11. And I'm <laughs> utterly fascinated by it and the fact that you make a superhero movie He's with two of the most man, popular everyone. characters and all it is is 9 11 imagery. I'm like, 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 why am I fascinated by this? Um, why is this movie like like in, like oh god spellbound me the way it does? No, I love the Rise of Skywalker. I still do, but I also love movies that are just incoherent messes on a two hundred million dollar level. I think those are infinitely more valuable. Like I love Fan- Four Stick. I love the fact that it's like a hundred million dollar Fantastic Four movie. That's just it. it barely holds together it's like this weird sort of like like david cronenberg-esque like thing that's just sitting there screaming be put out of its own misery but but isn't that isn't isn't that something isn't that something that's interesting as a concept and like studying the production rather than interesting as watching a film i think you i think you can't divorce the two i think if you just it's kind of like the it's a difference between something like uh, uh richard stanley's island of dr moreau where you have this like concept of like, oh, what could it have been? Like, what is Richard? 
Don't you think something like 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 uh, for a contemporary example? Don't you think something like Cats is a good is a good example of that? <laughs> Where like I, the, the yeah. stories of the production are fascinating, but I'm never going to see it. Okay, for the record, I said it last week. I gotta say it now. I did see Cats. I did a double feature on New Year's oh, Day boy. of Cats and the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I um, kind of. Yeah, I kind of want to just to like as an exploration and sort of like masochism, but I can't I did can't you, do it. Did you cosplay like you said you were going to? And I won't say for which movie. Just say yes or no. Um what's the old saying go blink uh blink once or yes, twice or no? Um All right, meow uh, once. No, 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 yeah, no, I'm blinking twice. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um uh, I'm a loath cat, guys. Meow. Okay. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> okay, can I tell a really quick, like, little personal story about my double feature of Cats and the Rise of Skywalker on New Year's Day? This is what mm-hmm. I've been waiting for. Okay, this is, this is pretty good. So, um, I okay, first, uh, I think Zenger knows this. I have a ton of Regal Rewards points because I just, I do things with, like, buying movie tickets even though I don't go to movies. Um, it, it ties in partly to the movie voucher story that maybe one day I'll finally tell on this podcast, but not that won't be today. Um, so I had a bunch of points for um, when The Rise of Skywalker came out. And they had a bunch of things on Regal's website. Like, they had, like, a hoodie, a T-shirt, like, a notebook. But one of the items was, like, a uh, four-by-six-foot poster for The Rise of Skywalker. Um, if you're in the Knights of Vader Facebook group, I posted it, and I was asking Chris about it. And I'm like, hey, how much do you think this, like, poster, like, is worth? And I think it eventually sold for, like, $700 or close to it. And I did some more research on it, Chris, and actually those things, got, those Rise of Skywalker IMAX posters actually go for like $500 a piece. So it's not, it's not too absurd to believe that one went for $700, like in the hype of like the movie came out within like a week. Um, but the point being was that like when all this stuff went online, I could have gotten that poster for like $28. And I said, nah, what am I ever going to do with it? It's just going to sit in my closet. So I went and got the hoodie instead. And then like every time I look at the hoodie now, I'm like, wow. You could have been $700, but I have a Star Wars hoodie now that says The Rise of Skywalker on it. Um, but the point being for uh, my New Year's Day double feature, um, I had I, I did back-to-back. I had The first showing was for Cats at 10.50 in the morning, and then The, the Rise of Skywalker was at 12.45. So um, I go to the usher, and I hand him my, uh, my phone for my <laughs> showing the cats, and he sees my Rise of Skywalker hoodie, and he's like, Buddy, you're going to the wrong movie. He's like, don't you realize the early no, show of Star not, Wars until twelve thirty? He actually said that to me. He's well, like, he doesn't going- expect he doesn't expect it to be a large overlapping audience because you weren't like <laughs> over the age of fifty and and um of a specific gender. <laughs> I don't care, Chris. That movie Cats is not for anybody. There's nobody on the face of this earth that movie is for. That's, no, that's, I, that's I know a true. set set batch of people that might enjoy it, but still. Okay, very slim margin. The, my review of Cats is, and I think I I said it last. Nightmare week, Fuel. It's you not know, the sad thing is, is that like it's not it's the worst kind of movie. It's boring and scary to look at. Like like I'm sitting there at one point, I, I I started to lose my mind. I started shutting my eyes. I'm like, oh, the music's nice. Then you open your eyes and you're like, crap crap and all the characters are so scary to look at like we have like idris elba cat like the taylor swift cat is genuinely horrifying like taylor swift taylor swift looks like an alien to begin with and making her into a cat alien is somehow even worse um we have on on wait 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 wait. this week which which viewing of which which viewing of rise of skywalker was this on the same day as (laughs) the fourth viewing (laughs) okay so at least wasn't the same day that you'd already watched Rise of Skywalker twice. This isn't okay. part of Zach's Rise of Skywalker trilogy. Right. It's like, okay. it's like Rise, of Skywalker, sure. Rise right. of Skywalker is okay. my trilogy. All right. 
Yeah, cats, cats. I advise nobody to ever watch cats ever. Like, as somebody who hosts a podcast called Cinematic Oddities, I can wholeheartedly tell you, you do not ever need to watch that film. Okay. Trust me. Duly noted. I was I about to just it, just out of morbid curiosity, but I, I'll refrain. There's enough. There's not enough morbid curiosity for that. It's boring. That's the problem about cats. There's not enough to it. It's just kind of just. It's them. Like it, I literally all this is a bunch of people dressed as cats dancing for two hours. Like and at the very end, like Judy Dench is like staring into the camera, breaking the fourth wall, like telling you how to treat your cat. It's like what is this? It's like get out of here, movie. That's the. Uh, that's the. <laughs> I've I've heard so many people talk about that scene. It must be remarkable. It's it's well, not look, even interesting. It's the boring. The 1977 version, 77 version would be better. We had B. Arthur <laughs> dancing around with them, playing that role. Carrie Fisher would have been in it somehow. That would have been fun. We have Idris Elba cat that like take, he looks more like a bat than he does anything else. Like it's like no, I don't want to. Like, and they're all wearing like overcoats. I'm like, why is cat wearing an overcoat? There's Ian McKellen cat. He just looks like Ian McKellen. Like oh, someone just dumped drinks. a bunch. Of, it looks like it's like he, it's like someone dumped a bunch of like glue on him. He rolled around like on a barbershop floor. And there's a cat. <laughs> there's a cat wearing a hat. And the entire time I kept referring to him as the cat so, the hat character. So it wasn't. But but all in all, it wasn't. And it wasn't enough of an entertaining disaster that you would recommend it on the basis no, of the not. ridiculousness of the production. No, not at all. It, it, that's the problem. I went into it because Rob and I were talking about it because Rob was supposed to come to New York and we were going to go see it together. And um, so I went to go see it figuring, OK, I was going to see that or Uncut Gems, but the timing for Uncut Gems didn't work out. So I'm like, <laughs> OK, I'll see Cats. And I went into it like, again, I, I've seen movies that are weird and I sit in the theater and just laugh at it the entire time. I should be pointing out that like in my theater at 1050, like it was like six people and the two people like in like the furthest back like row of seats were laughing the entire time. And it I wasn't a sing along, um, a sing along viewing that I've seen been going around lately. You can go to a, a sing along oh, viewing. Terrifying. Oh, oh. Unfortunately. Maybe, maybe in a couple of weeks. This is going to be this generation's Rocky Horror. You, you just, I just want you to see it's that. Not, it's, it's not that happen. interesting. That's the problem. It's not that interesting. I guess at one point there's a cat that like, like he's like the railroad cat. And he starts like tap dancing on like railroad <laughs> ties. And <laughs> I'm not joking. That's a thing. That is it Rum Tum Tugger or whatever? Maybe. And the whole thing is like he's like a tap dancing cat. He has tap dance. Like, uh, tap shoes and they shoot him from the waist up so you can't even see him tap it like tap dancing i'm like what is going on see uh, what just said they shoot him, and i just assume yes. they shot him like literally I, I, I think that's it's because they didn't have enough rendering time for the wide shot if you if if you hear about the the schedule they were under on the post-production side it's amazing yep. that it's even viewable yeah okay. apparently there's a scene where like but they like re-edited it or something where like you could see Judy Dench's hand, human hand. Yeah. Oh, if if only I were paying that close of attention. That's like the weird Jar Jar well, like well, rubber hand scenes yeah. that are very like, off-putting. There was that there like this is kind of kind of slightly takes it back towards Star Wars, but but <laughs> but like there there was that story about how they were sent out updated versions of the film like yeah. while it was already in theaters. Yeah. So you're losing money horribly. I don't know what the cost is. Maybe it, to these days, if it's if it's digital, it's not extreme cost wise to re to send out new versions yeah, they, of it. What they I, don't, I know I know what they do. They they send it out uh, through the internet. That, like, people have to realize, like nowadays, like most films, like if you like have digital projection, they don't even send hard drives anymore. They just digitally download the film from a server. 
Like that's that's what it is now. Like all these like it's the theater chains. I'm not talking about like independent yeah. ones, but like your Regals, your AMC's, your your biggies. Um, they just download it from a server. Like there's there's no cost anymore. That's just what it is. It's just a matter of just like the electricity of just running a, like a computer. Right. We the need cost some would cyberpunk just be. like hacker theaters, then we can go cheap and see these things. That's how they leak, I suppose. But um, it's just interesting that like I can't remember the last time I heard of something that was updated like during the first couple weeks it was in theaters. They make the actors go on in front of the screen and do the seat correctly. It's, ama- it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing you didn't hear about something like that with like Rogue One or something, considering it's that easy for them to do. But um. Yeah, I, don't know. I can't think of the last time something of this caliber was like a, they they had to show an alternate cut. There's always things that they, I've heard like after like months later they've done. Like I know like with the King's Speech like ten years ago, they like released a version that was like PG thirteen where they edited out all the swearing. Um, there's stuff like that, but no, I've never heard oh. of them, like a week into a film's release like releasing an alternate cut. Maybe it's a regional thing, kind of like how like the Saudi Arabia version of Rise of Skywalker doesn't have that lesbian kiss at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you know what, folks. I'm on the record. I'm not laughing. See, they're the if you're if we're gonna cancel anybody, you you cancel everybody who <laughs> laughed. To be fair, they got ten extra frames of wedge. I've heard too. So. <laughs> oh um, my god, worth it! Worth it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, but he's kissing a um, a dude. Oh, jeez. Oh, okay, worth so it. right back to where we started. <laughs> he's kissing Greg Grunberg. Oh, he's worth saving it. him from crap. <laughs> <laughs> He's seeing him wedge his single like jumps out of the Millennium Falcon and catches Grin Grunberg as his uh, X Wing explodes. Uh, am I alone? In, am, am I alone in feeling that like seeing Wedge that briefly was almost worse than not seeing him at all? Like oh, what was it's that? So it's so like you had He's to know you guy. were looking He's for not... an old man. They the kids knew they were like there has to be somebody right. And you know it's an editing oh, thing. Man. Like they had him there. They obviously shot a bunch. They made him, you know, zoom all directions in that falcon chair and say a bunch of stuff and talk we, to people. And they did just use give it. us. We, we need one of those deadpan wedge lines, like "I'm in a spaceship, I am shooting." <laughs> so you know, we well, love wedges, just no, witty I mean, talk. This is the guy who like actually destroyed the second Death Star. For well, forget what happened on the first one, where he kind of like it, he didn't quite get that involved. But you know, he this is a legitimate important character, and it's almost it like having him say hello. And then it never is. referencing him again. I don't he's know. not even. He's not even on the uh, the Force planet at the end. Well, the best and the best part about this, which is like, and like, I, I know, I know, um, that that other this this the most perhaps the most popular Star Wars podcast, Rebel Force Radio, tends to come up a lot oh, in the group. Wait, the group. wait. But um, it's, they had a whole episode where they talked about um, it's, it's, a guest they had on was in direct communication with uh dennis lawson's agent and they were telling him you know the reason i didn't want they asked me to be in seven the reason i didn't want to do it is because they didn't give me anything to do i was just sitting in a cockpit or whatever in the script and i didn't want it and 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 there was all this play up to saying this guy they had on was like i made the connection i got dennis lawson's crew in touch with lucasfilm to be in episode nine and they finally gave him something important to do and that's the only reason he's agreed to be in the film yeah, he was so, going to solve a wait, mystery or what, what? something. <laughs> he finally that, discovers who Sipho DS is. Like, that's a thing that happened, and then you have what he is in the film. It's amazing. One Unless, fan is really happy. Uh, the thing about that, though, yeah, I, I'm thinking think of is that, like, 
Dennis Lawson must have gotten some money too because he is on the cover of like Resistance Reborn. So that must be another paycheck for him. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're going to give him some other role in something else, or maybe it's another instance of editing. Well, maybe, and, maybe. and 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 just, there's a lot of evidence of there's a lot of evidence that even the uh, the people involved in the production of the film had a very different expectations for what the final cut would look like. Like you have the uh, the interview with John Williams' brother, who was he made some comments where he was talking about like basically if you take if you, if you read into what he's saying. Um, he was talking to a music school about mm-hmm. how the about how the recording was going for the soundtrack, and he said something that 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 he made some reference that indicated that this was by far the longest Star Wars movie ever. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and then you and then of course you have a, a you got another quote from Daisy Ridley where she goes out of her way to say that Palpatine's return is explained. And it by it not being explained. Perfectly. Yeah. Like she, there's an interview with her where she's like, "Oh yeah, it's explained, and it's explained like real clearly. It's not left open." On like Disney she, she Plus, basically, basically next says year. that it's amazing. So it, obviously, she saw like she was, she didn't really know what was going on. She they recorded a bunch of different stuff, right? No, yeah, I, no, no. They they explained it. the The dark side of the force is the means to many on things on that. And you know, they I t- explained and, it clearly. And I kind of took offense when the Hob- the Hobbit sort of. The Hobbit, when he was explaining how Palpatine might ba- be back, the Hobbit sort of implied that cloning was like, he sort of tied cloning into a, a sort of dark side perspective, which I didn't really care for. Because like, you know, th- some of those clones were good dudes, man. Like he sort of put a shadow yes, on the- we on have the, entire series that get into why they are such good dudes. A couple of them were good dudes, right? So like, and that's canon. So like, <laughs> he sort of, he sort of made cloning sound a little more dirty than he should have, I think, in the Hobbit in that one scene. <laughs> and he said my precious and we all cheered even though he's not one that said that i'm just making it as a joke gotcha i, I, I like that chris just keeps referring to this one specific character as the hobby even took, can't folks, remember his name if you're confused as to who it chris literally took about, me till, no it no it literally took me till the, the most recent time he's yeah, mentioned me, you know, me oh, too, the, the first time he's talking like, about lost okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, don't name the actor just part no, he's been no. in <laughs> Yeah, I, okay, I don't feel as bad now. But to, to, uh, to bounce Space off your Charlie. point, yes, um, uh, Deus Ex Sith, well, was it Deus Ex Sith Machina, who just who knows everything. He, he's the expert on Sith people, just out of nowhere in the film. But I'm not, not evil. Not no. Leia's boat. Uh, but the thing you mentioned, though, about the music, Chris, and this is something that I haven't heard anybody bring up, and to be fair, I, I don't read and listen to everything out there, so maybe somebody already did. But if you listen, like, okay, I think we all know when it comes to uh, Star Wars soundtracks, the the final track, which is the one that's played over the credits, is usually like a compilation or an amalgamation of like all the different themes throughout the film, right? It's a medley. It's a medley, sure. A medley. We all agree on that, right? Sure. sure. Why not? Oh, great. If you listen to the finale track of The Rise of Skywalker, about three minutes in, it starts playing the Imperial March. And if you look at the film, that why is that, that significant, Zach? I don't know. It's not in the film. Mm. Well, neither is the re-recorded version of Duel of the Fates, which was definitely done. That's I, I remember okay. <clears throat> I'm glad you brought that up as well because we were I remember it with the lot of the making Star Wars leaks back like in 
I think April or May, when Ray and Kylo Ren were fighting or having their their however it was described at the time force duels, when they were fighting, it was supposed to switch the background from like all different sorts of Star Wars locales. They were supposed to be fighting on Mustafar. I have a theory going, on that. Then like Naboo, I think people mixed up that hyper jumping with that. That was my theory. It's possible, but I don't know. It's because I, I like that theory. Well, I, I just I, I but I mean it seems to it seems kind of obvious to me where like they kind of did have a fight that was that was like a they had a lightsaber duel that was kind of a, in two places at the same time and like I'm like considering that's actually in the movie I have to assume that that's what people were talking about like they have that like the the force Skype duel sure yeah that's kind of that's Which kind of exactly what so that much sense. is yeah. <laughs> But like how those rumors were described, though, was that like we were supposed to get these this massive duel between the two of them, and it was supposed to, again, it was supposed to be like I remember because Jason Ward even said it was supposed to be very video game esque in that it would change like it would be all these important locales over Star Wars, and that's where you would have your duel of the fates, your battle of the heroes, your uh, Bespin confrontation. You were going to have all these different moments. And it was supposed to connect it all because this was this was the force finally coming to peace. It's like everything was kind of coalescing for the final time, and that's why, you know, as a creative decision, I don't like it, but it makes sense as a concept. And the fact that, and like you said, John Williams' brother goes, "Oh, we're getting all the different, we're getting every theme in there, we're getting everything." And yes, that might be a little bit of hyperbole on on his part. So we do get a bunch of themes in this film. There's clearly the Imperial marches in the the final track so at one point in the film we, there was supposed to be a sequence of of that being played uh we didn't get that and they obviously didn't feel it was that much of a concern to even change that it's even if you watch the movie if you sit in the movie theater right now and you listen to the credits it's there at three minutes into the credits you hear bump lump lump bump bump lump bump bump and it, it comes out of nowhere you're like wow where, when this part of the movie happened i like this can we go back to that part and it's like no this doesn't exist in this version of the film well, well some, something that really stood out to me during the um my second viewing of the movie was a good chunk of um uh, the duel on on the on the shipwrecked sort of Death Star chunk has no music at all. And like, I don't know if that was one of those decisions where like one of those pieces was supposed to be in there, but they decided they liked it better with nothing. But a good, a good portion of that has, has no music underneath it when they're, when they're fighting out on that piece of the Death Star in the water. Yeah. It makes I, it I, less memorable. Uh, now that I'm thinking back to him and go, yeah, that happened, but I don't, yeah, I can't like associate music with it. I there's another indicator too that sequence seems a little out of place because you look at the like the Rise of Skywalker final poster and it's even on the teaser poster we have the shot of Rey and Kylo Ren fighting on the piece of the Death Star wreckage and it's him wearing the mask and it's like oh but he doesn't I understand that it's not fair to extrapolate plot points from a poster a piece of marketing but it's like why why is he wearing the mask in the marketing if that's not what's in the final product? And then you even look at the final poster for The Rise of Skywalker, the one that kind of has the just the generic one with all the floating heads. On that poster, it's very like Spider-Man Sony-esque in that we have Kylo Ren in the, the red glued helmet on there twice. 
And it's like you have him in the upper right-hand corner and you have him in the lower right-hand corner with the red helmet. And it's like, well, why do we have him with the exact same helmet? Why not have him with the helmet in the upper right and then have him in the bottom right without the helmet? Because that's what actually transpires in the film. That would Man, be hard to do. Th- that whole series of posters is quite frankly embarrassing. Like you got the Hot Toys Emperor and you got the double Kylo. <laughs> like it's just fo- like like Photoshop interns. Like it's amazing they don't just reach out and find a real artist to do something that will make you feel anything. But Chris, that that might by using real artists that might actually have some sort of integrity that might disrupt that might just like upset somebody in the mass audiences. Remember, Do you think what? it? I just I just like is that really true? Like is that yes. is, like is that real? Like okay. there's really the mass audiences wouldn't like that poster that oh. I'm that I've seen that I'm seeing fan art after fan art of that's vastly superior in every way okay. to what's let, being cranked out. Let, I'm going to answer as somebody who has their degree in marketing and knows how this works. This is what they do. It's none of these decisions made by, because I know there's a lot of emotions are running high when it comes to Star Wars. Shocking, right? But all of of these decisions that Disney makes, they're not doing it out of spite to anybody. Everything, everything boils down to the market research. So when Chris says, like, there are, there are fan, there's fan art out there for the Rise of Skywalker that's infinitely better than the floating head poster that we got for the, the final poster with the white border. And the reason why they don't pick a, an actual artist to do this sort of stuff is that there's a reason why every Marvel film, it's always floating heads. There's a reason why the Frozen poster is floating heads. It's because on a market research level, when they show this stuff to focus groups – this is the sort of stuff that clicks. It's it's just and plus an element of it too. Nobody realizes is that when you have um, the the talent, the actors, and you have a poster like um, like the Rise of Skywalker one. You have Daisy Ridley on there. You have Kelly Marie Tran, John Boyega, Poe, Di- um, Oscar Isaac. You have all these actors, <laughs> and when you have the actors on there. They and their their agents have to sign off on it. So let's say you do have a really cool, let's say, well, let's say you have a really cool looking Drew Struzan esque poster, like something really that has some imagination to it. And there's a possibility that like you have a poster that everybody signed off on, and the focus groups sign off on it. Yet let's say Daisy Ridley's people say we don't like how she looks in this. They legally can't put that out without having her people sign off on it. Man, and that's it w- what happens too. It was so much better back in the day when George Lucas could trick a bunch of unknown actors to sign away every right they ever had to their likeness, <laughs> and they never had another thing to say about it from that point on. <laughs> it, it was really oh, the good old days of yeah, film. amazing. That's uh, like I didn't know that agents. I, I I would have assumed that Disney, being the monolith that they are, would somehow have a contract that would stop individual agents from meddling in posters, but. Maybe I'm. I I think I, it's, I think I think part of it too. It's not even like contracts and signing uh, signing your life away. I think there's also things with the Screen Actors Guild. You don't. It's like that thing. Like if, I've heard stories from people that are like um are in like featured in movie and not featured. They get hired to be in a film, kind of like a bit role, not a cameo, but kind of just like, like a, a low level role. And their One scene line. gets. Yeah, exactly. And their scene gets edited out, yet every single time the movie shows up on TV, like every month, like because of rentals, they get a check in the mail. Right. Mm-hmm. E- yeah. Even if it's o- even if it's only like some like 
minuscule amount, they get money from it. And I think that's part of this. I think the Screen Actors Guild has rights for the actors, and that's what it is. Is that like if you are going to use an actor's likeness in the marketing, they have to approve of it. And that's why you do get such a bland marketing now. And again, I, I think oh. it's like anything else. Everybody's to blame. I hate so to you're saying. I hate- you're ahead. saying there's like a great like episode nine poster out there, but Jeff Garland didn't look like like how Claude looked in it. And there's like, oh, I, you gotta scrap it. Claude is not happy. I went on the record, Russ, that in the credits I looked up who voiced Claude and it's not Jeff Garland. Oh well who I, the heck was I he? I saw then? a picture of Jeff Garland and he was totally edited out. Yeah. My next but, guess but, was the guy but, who got his head cut off. But, but. The, the funny thing about that is so like what did Ian McDermott's agents have to say about Hot Toys Emperor then? I don't. I, <laughs> Boy, Ronald. Every time you say that, like I was like, "Hot toy emperor, hot toy emperor." I, they, I, I guess they approved because he looked yeah. great. Yeah, and I, but but look at it too, though. Is that like when they use Kylo Ren with the helmet on, they don't need Adam Driver's approval. Mm-hmm. That's another reason too. It's not just simply also that if you don't, it's kind of like uh, with like when it comes to certain posters. Like sometimes the actors want their likeness featured, like Robert Downey Jr. Like on all the uh, featured Avenger stuff, at least three times on the poster. Exactly, but sometimes other actors don't care or just like okay, whatever. Um, I, I would imagine there's a reason why, like in like Guardians of the Galaxy's merchandise, you're much more inclined to see Star Lord with his helmet than you are to see the Chris Pratt like head because it's easier and it's more quote unquote cost effective to use that version in the marketing because you don't need to then go through the actors' people. Again, that that's just my extrapolation of things I've read and heard. Um, again, I'm not an insider by any stretch of the imagination, but all this makes sense to me when you connect it. You mentioned earlier, way earlier now, that um, that you don't think Disney's personally attacking anyone with Star sure. Wars. They are by not giving me my detours. Chris, what's your opinion on Star Wars detours? I it's, break I, me. I, well, it's I obviously anything that um, j- much like um, Star Wars Underworld, anything that got the axe the minute. Like I was really shook when when Star Wars sold to Disney. Like it really bothered me. I was like, "Oh my god, this is it's all over. It's never gonna be good again." <laughs> I, I I it's never. I'm never gonna honestly How enjoy it. How true it, it was. I I, I like I, I re, like I made a I made a meme of like I I I, t- I edited a clip of like Hank Hill seeing it on the news and having a horrified reaction. Like I put oh. that out on Twitter. It was great. <laughs> but like, but dang but, it, Bobby. So, so, but like, so, like, anything that they just said, nope, this is not on image anymore. All of that stuff I want, like, pumped straight into my veins to make me feel like it's like 2011 again and Star Wars is still <laughs> amazing. But, um, Perfect. but so, like, I mean, obviously, like, look at the concept art for that 1313 game. Like, my God, we were so close. <laughs> you know, it looked we're amazing. on the verge of greatness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And, and you know, I gotta admit that it, it 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 didn't play out. It, it only played out seventy five percent as bad as I thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> what's the twenty five percent that played there. out? What's the twenty five percent that did play out the way it was supposed to? I guess I'll have to say that's like Rebels and Rogue One. I, okay. like, I, I guess. And I don't like Rogue One because. Like I know a lot of like there's a lot of like old dudes who like like Rogue One just because like that's the original trilogy film man like I like my original my gold trilogy. leader that's gold why, leader that's, that's, <laughs> that's got stormtroopers and stuff like that no I like it because it's right. the only one that made me 
having it's it it's the it's it gave me the most sort of emotional connection to the characters beyond any of the other uh, films in the sequel trilogy. There's a couple parts in there where I actually cared about the characters and I felt mildly invested. There's like one moment in Rise of Skywalker that that that, that I kind of got that, but uh, but but aside from that Rogue One's the only one where I felt that honestly invested. And like I was less than 0% invested in Solo. Like I can't I couldn't even <laughs> believe what I was watching. I was like they, they, they finally did it. They finally made it the most mundane they finally made Fast and the Furious Star Wars. It's it, oh my I, God, that is what it is. I, oh, for sure. I, I, I don't know. Like it's it, it's innocuous, but that's also the problem. You know, it's like not offensive, but it's not interesting at all. But um, Rogue One. I would say Rogue One and Solo are definitely uh, Rogue One and Rebels are definitely that that twenty five percent where they kind of still and I and I think that's almost just because it was still so soon after the purchase that <laughs> the a lot of the same people were still involved in like doing their old jobs. Like John Knoll is the mastermind of Rogue One and like the 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 guy's a genius. Like he invented Photoshop and like he he did he did he was special effects supervisor on all the prequels. So. It's it's good to hear that somebody like that still had any power at the time in 2016, and he wasn't totally shoveled out like Ben Burt and all those other guys. Does John Knoll still work for uh, Lucasfilm? Well, I've seen behind the scenes of him working on Mandalorian, so I assume so. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that now. Well, back to Resistance. Um, no, sorry. <laughs> I do want to point out real quick. I think Chris, you and I have talked about in the Facebook group that the uh, the Disney ride, Rise of the Resistance. I love how they should the have called of- it "Rides of the Resistance." Oh, so close! God, your puns, man! Oh, man, too good. Can't take it. Somebody stop this man! Sure. Right. Oh, let him I, go. Let him I go. love that the rise of. I love how Rise of Skywalker essentially breaks the continuity of Rise of the Resistance. The ride. I, I haven't watched it at all. I, don't, I like. I don't care if you spoil it now, but like, I haven't seen any of it. Oh, it's, it's not that. I'm Kylo Ren's haunted house. <laughs> he does he pops out a lot and then the, the vehicle just backs up away from him and it's suddenly somehow mm-hmm. totally fine oh. lightsabers like are coming at you oh my god it's okay somebody okay someone who's good with photoshop and the knights of your facebook group make a a fake promo poster for kylo ren's haunted house now at disney disney uh, when, walt disney world when you pull it at the end it, you look on the screen and the person next to you is kylo ren is you're lucky <laughs> if you're imagine lucky. if it was like imagine if it was just like you know how they um they resurface rides and like rename them like imagine if it just was the haunted mansion but they just put a bunch of Star Wars stuff on it. <laughs> don't don't give them ideas. They did that. With, they did that with Space Mountain for a while. <laughs> was, but how did like Lilo and Stitch or something? Grim grinning emperors come to socialize. Yes, Order sixty six is coming now. All right, so just go with that. There's a baby Yoda in there somewhere with the Santa cap. <laughs> okay, so this is a quite okay. You okay? You okay, Sanger? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm no, actually, that wasn't I'll, even me. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'm give sorry. You, I'll give you a report. Um, my uh, my mother in law went to the Disney parks last week, and she brought home the first Baby Yoda merch I've ever seen. Uh, shirt, oh, a forty dollars shirt, a forty dollars t shirt that nice. says the child, and it has three pictures of Baby Yoda on it. It's forty dollars. I really <laughs> needed to write the child on it. They're like, "Shut up, fans! Stop calling it Baby Yoda." It says the child. That's funny. 
but yeah, I I love that the rise of the resistance rise essentially broken by the, the the rise of Skywalker. There might actually weird to have two major like Star Wars you things both have the rise of the in the title. Like that's kind of weird. Like you have rise of the resistance, rise of Skywalker. It's almost rising. like this, this thing's supposed to be over. We're ending everything. We're killing it all, but it's rising. It's, it's like, it doesn't make sense. They clearly named the ride before they agreed upon the before the committee agreed upon the title of the film. That's all but you're you, dealing with there. You call yours Ride of Skywalker. No, you call the, yours Ride of Resistance. The no, press release is we're taking out. rides. Fine, they'll, we both take fi- rides. They'll figure out why we changed it. We just have to have it for both now. If the movie was called The Ride of Skywalker, would you think a little different? <laughs> ah, that would be perfect still. It is a thrill ride. Like I want to know honestly, which which is more feels like a thrill ride—the actual like ride at Disney World or the film? Like both films are going a mile a minute. No, I want to watch Rise of Skywalker in a Star Wars battle pod at like a uh, Dave and Buster's. Like that probably is like. <laughs> All right. So okay, I just I got okay. So I I gotta derail you guys. <laughs> I got I I can't resist myself. So did you? Like I hate I hate I honestly hate being that guy who's like like pointing out things that logistically just yanked me out of the film, but like the light speed skipping thing, did that bother anyone like a 10th as much as it bothered me? I don't know. Why did we waste the time on something that didn't become relevant at any other point in the movie? But do you have, but like it's so like, and we just have two movies earlier. Han Solo pulls off, which is like, eh, it was kind of, I, I, I take it with a grain of salt, obviously, but he light speeds into the atmosphere of a planet. And it's like, that's a new thing. He was cautious. He he was a little bit worried about it. You know, he could have easily killed them all. But then you have Poe light speeding in between. Like he pulls out a light speed and he's in between buildings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it's uh, I don't know. And putting it right there up front in the beginning and it'd be having no meaning later. Yeah. Like he's it's, it's, that's into that's the like big Star Wars. planets. Like, you yeah, know, you big could, Star you could just Wars go, move. but you could just go into a few different systems, but he's inside the atmosphere, like right at the ground. But like, like, am I crazy that this is like one of the dumbest things ever in any of these movies? Like, to like throw a newspaper wrong. at him, and he caught it and stuff. Like go through people's like he's like a Ferris Bueller's kind no, of thing. No, but it, but like yeah, like because there could you do anything more reckless ever? Like, <laughs> like I don't know, land the Falcon by skidding it into the ground instead of using the blatantly <laughs> obvious landing gear it has, were, just setting it were, down straight. He, said, he says they're broken. That's why they do that. He yeah, says but that. you could okay. In Solo, they just take the Falcon, hover it, and then drop it down directly. They also no crash problem. it three times in Solo as well. So, like, what are you gonna do? But, uh, but, but, you know, I can, I can believe. How that does that Tie Fighter go to light speed? <laughs> that you, that is a genuine plot hole, Sanger. I will give you credit for that. But Finally, I get credit. But the answer, man gets acknowledgement. But to answer the light speed. We'll get to that in a moment. To answer your first question, the light speed skipping, that that didn't bother me. And it does tie into the plot because it's meant to set up the whole thing about Poe's like CD life before joining the resistance. Oh, that was too little too late it. in this movie. If you wanted to pull that, you could have brought it up in in, in nine when they're going to a casino. You're like, all right, look, I know some dirty people. He was he was still Mr. Clean up up till the very end. They just Man, tried to make him is- too Han Solo. 
Ross, that is a great point. Why did he not go to Canto Bight? Because he was too busy leading a mutiny against Admiral Purple Hair. Exactly. Come on, this is Spice Runner uh, Poe, man. He was going to get some dinosaurs. I I haven't been keeping up with the comics, but I heard that, like, sort of giving him that that Spice Runner backstory, like, kind of conflicts with the comics. Like, it was sort of like there might have been a brief window in there where he could have done that. Maybe, well, I think well, that, said he made like a life. Yeah they, yeah, they said as a kid he grew up learning to do ins- inspirational speeches for the resistance and like flying real good, and that was so all so he got before. It that. just sounds like something JJ like made up, and he's like, and it's like the story yeah. group's just like deal with it because yeah. I don't know any about uh, anything about the expanded universe canon material. So he's, he's now a criminal. Wait, he wrote wait spice guys. He guys. He's got spice, and he's he's cooler than Han Solo. He's actually different. Wait, so, so you're telling me I have to be read a ton of comics, you bunch of nerds? <laughs> Hell no, I'm just going to do my own thing. No, you just watch video summaries of the comics, Singer. That's even more stressful. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my mystery box. No, but I, I can, the thing about Poe being a spice runner, I that doesn't bother me. I, I know, I, yes, in the continuity, there is, there's a gap in there. because Yeah, it didn't bother me either, but it's just... It, it seemed sort of sh- it seemed sort of like something that they didn't think about until this movie. I, 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 I finding I, out Han Solo is a scoundrel when you're on Endor. I'm like, oh, this guy—he was kind of a loose cannon this whole time. I had no idea. No, really, McClunky. And I want Spice redefined also, because like <laughs> back back when that was first brought up, it seemed like a little more threatening. This time when I heard it, I was like, ah, oh, it doesn't sound so bad. What are they actually talking about? As I put oregano on something, like exactly. oh, I'm a spice runner now. It sounded it sounded less threatening than it ever had to me. I don't know why. <laughs> well, because I think it's one of those things where it's like the first time it's ever been truly brought to the surface with Star Wars. Usually, like, I that's not really brought up. That's usually more of an ancillary media thing. Well, like, C-3PO oh. does say it in A New Hope. Yeah, I yeah, know, we but know that yeah. Kessel's like almost like a fun house at this point. <laughs> so scared. You met, oh, yeah, spice you mines know. of Kessel, it's like droids weekend at Bernie's over that's, there. That's that's adjacent to the coaxium mines, which have nothing to do with the spice mines. <laughs> oh, wait a second. So if it's a weekend at Bur- so if it's like a fun house thing, is that where the Rise of Skywalker ride is? Or or, or well, sorry, what, what is it? What is it? Kylo's like I've lost Vader. complete control, yeah. folks. I've yeah, lost you gotta rein it control. in. I'm sorry. It's like Revenge of the Nerds. A guy dresses like Darth Vader and does terrible things to a woman in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Those are terrible movies if you think about it. I'm trying to think. Where, what was it? Well, there was a second point Chris brought up that we I wanted to circle back to, or maybe it was Sanger. I kind of lost track. Oh no, there, there was a point I wanted to bring hey, up way get... earlier that I forgot about. Oh, I, I get to do it now. Go, Sanger. Okay, I was, I, was, I was waiting for Zach's permission to derail even further. So when we were talking about the Mustafar thing, so those guys, like, worship Vader? Yeah. So 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 can, can, I, can I get the deleted scene of him going, so you guys worship my grandfather? He was but, pretty cool. But you think they would have just let him in? To die. No, but I think I think the thing that's interesting about that sequence, that, again, we don't, I don't know what it looks like. It hasn't leaked. Um, but or, or I'm sorry, the extended sequence, if it even exists, is that it was supposed to be like a a character arc for Kylo Ren. Like he goes from being this Vader acolyte in the first film to being someone who's he's essentially murdering the quote unquote ghost of his past in the sense of there's all these acolytes that are essentially what he was a year earlier and he's mowing through them. He, he's he's literally killing the past. 
And there's small things like that that were going to very implicitly tie it into The Last Jedi that they cut out. And that's what kind of makes me so disappointed. I think there is a lot of depth in this film. Um, there's a lot of things to look at. But at the same time, though, it's also a J.J. Abrams film. I, I don't think the man is capable of making a deep film. That's just not his style, uh, especially on a film that he doesn't really want to be making. And I, that's the weird catch-22. Are, are yeah, there in a film these- that they're, they're not actually letting him make either, if, if, what, if you believe the leaks and stuff. Yeah, so like I do think there's a lot of things in this film that we're never going to, again that we were that we're not going to get in a official release way, like in the sense of like being added to the film. Um, all this talk, a lot of people are talking about how there's never been in a a director's cut of a Star Wars film before. It's like we have more cuts of Star Wars than we have to do with at this point. Every Star Wars film has an alternate cut, except for Revenge of the Sith. It's 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 baffling. It's like I don't know why. I think that's a perfect. I wouldn't be surprised that Disney eventually does this somewhere down the line because selling director's cuts, or I'm, I'm using that more as a a uh, a synonym for a the alternate cut. But yeah, I, I, God, can you imagine how many Blu-rays and digital copies you you would sell of of every Star Wars movie under the, the moniker of the director's cut? Can you imagine? Think of all that because we do know that there's um. Coming out at the end of March, there's going to be the the 27 disc 4K collection called the Skywalker Saga, and I would imagine we're going to see a lot of behind the scenes stuff on that. That's not going to be included with the the general release of the Rise of Skywalker. I I know the pre sales going out for that. Have they actually announced that there's new content? It's uh I they know it's implied. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty expensive to imply that. I yeah, know. That's, I know. I know on the digital bits. to do do some stuff. I know on the digital bits website they they they're they're recommending people hold off on pre-ordering until there's like an official announcement as to what it entails. Um, we're not going to get that announcement until Rise of Skywalker is out of theaters. Uh, so we're probably not going to hear about that until but the earliest. I'd say the beginning of February. Um. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Probably, probably most likely the end of February would be my guess. Yeah, we're too close to get the real truth from JJ, man. Even if there's a commentary, like it's all suspect. Well, until, until is, we're years down the road. Well, there is going to be there is going to be a podcast. You know it. It's he's he's going to like go completely rogue one. We start working for DC. He's going to end up on somebody's podcast and be like, no, 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 he's going to make no, his own podcast. For you. Call it the box. <laughs> I, I don't think JJ's going to do that because he is friends with Kathleen Kennedy on a personal level. I don't think he wants, to, I, I think at the end of the day, we're going to, again, I've said it numerous times, we're going to learn a lot about this era of Star Wars like 20 years from now. I don't think she's to blame here. I think she's caught in the crossfire and it, her, her power has been severely diminished probably since the rogue one thing and that's why a lot of these films are like a mess like think about it like everybody keeps like chiming in that like oh uh, disney is the perfect brand steward of star wars and it's like uh, george lucas never let one film outright bomb then the very next film be a disappointment that never happened under Lucas's turn. I don't care how much you like or dislike the prequels. Even the 2008 Clone Wars movie, that thing made money. It didn't make an insane amount of money, but it made money. And yet, everybody's looking at Disney just because we have Baby Yoda. That I don't think The Mandalorian is the wild success that we're being led to believe it is. I think it's popular within very specific sects of the internet, but it's. It, I don't think it's this 
uh, ubiquitous thing that people. I don't think the Mandalorian is on the same level that Stranger Things was on. Is on. I don't, well, I don't know if Str- Stranger Things is still po- that popular as it was a couple of years ago. I can. I can. I don't know about you guys, but I can say anecdotally. A bunch of normies at my work who have never watched any Star Wars thing ever have seen The Mandalorian. I, I, but that's not the issue, though. It's not an issue of watching something. It's the idea of it, whether it captures the cultural zeitgeist. Stranger Things was one of those things that it showed up everywhere all at once. And it stayed – I remember when that Stranger Things Season 2 trailer premiered with all the kids wearing the Ghostbusters uniform. <laughs> that's all I saw for like two months straight. Yeah. That – that the kid's in Ghostbusters now. The kid yeah, is yeah. in Ghostbusters now. Ugh. But that's the thing I'm trying to Humble say with the Mandalorian. That's, that's what I'm trying to say, though, with the Mandalorian, is that I don't think we're at that point. I don't think the Mandalorian is this thing. I know I, I, I mentioned it last week. I don't like I think every time you hear one of these stupid articles being like, oh, the, the man, like, what's it? The Witcher. The Witcher had 875,000 Mylar ratings, but the Mandalorian only had 150 Mylars. And it's like, we don't have access to any of this data. It doesn't mean anything. This is all private information. Wait, Netflix. wait, wait. Do they have interns? The At point. Netflix. Be- Sure. The point they, they're being, just forcing them to sit there and watch these shows so they can get that rating. But that's not the thing, though. Is the fact that like Netflix never discloses viewership numbers, and even if they do, we have nothing to corroborate it with. The same goes for Disney Plus. Disney's not releasing any viewership numbers. The only thing that we have a quasi idea of, and I still kind of question the validity of this, is that that it got the the. The, the streaming service had over 10 million new subscribers the first day of launch, which is, again, a fraction of what Netflix does. So I, I get it. Disney Plus just started. I'm not calling it a success or failure. But it's the idea that, like, Mandalorian is not – as everybody prophesizing that that is the future. It's not. Like, at, at this point, Star Wars is kind of like a rudderless ocean liner. It's kind of going in, like, every single direction – and they don't know what to do with it still. Like it's weird that like Disney's had control of this now for seven years, and Star Wars is more up in the air now than it's ever been, maybe in the history of its existence. Yeah, I feel like they're kind of like uh, glad they got through this finish line of Rise of Skywalker. And yeah, as someone like you guys who follows all this stuff really close, yeah, what what besides the TV shows? There's uh, completely completely rudderless right now. As far as we know, we we've heard about Ryan Johnson trilogies and in in Game of Thrones trilogies and all that, and then not, and all that seems to be just in the in the freaking garbage chute, Flyboy. But the thing about <laughs> that though is that, that, is that nothing like when it comes to the movies, there's nothing even in pre-production right now. Like that we know of, no, 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 okay. we do know because if, if something's in pre-production, they would have announced it. Like I'm not pre-production is is a definitive stage in a film's making. I'm not well, talking about them just writing, like, like doing concept art. Yes, they're probably doing concept art all the time. They're probably what's the word, uh, blue skying different ideas all the time. But the fact that like nothing is in official development in the sense what of like okay, Ralph McClory stuff. Can I just rip off and say that it's new? Well, it it did sound like it did sound like they had gotten a little farther with with Obi Wan before the solo react. Like there were, I believe there were some quotes from some guys who were doing set design who said they were building stuff for Moss Eisley and then they got shut down. So like they didn't really announce Obi Wan at that point either, right? So like, but but 
But couldn't that be interpreted as the episode five Mandalorian thing? Couldn't that just be somebody Ooh. crossing their wires? But, oh, no, man. I, but like, we when did it. that get shut down, though? That was never a, a rocky boat as far as we've heard, right? But we, so. but, but we don't know if that was... Okay, but this is the thing about crossing wires. Zenger and I had this conversation like months ago that during the lead-up to Solo, there was rumors going around that the Emperor was going to make an appearance in Solo. And Zenger and I were like... Vader was going to make an appearance in Solo. No, it was, that, the, Emperor too. It was the Emperor, too. Yeah. Well, it's, then, it's public knowledge that Darth Maul could have been one of like five different people, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, but the, she never refers to him by name. There, there's, there's nothing naming who she's talking to. There's an interview put, where, yeah, where Ron Howard's like, "Yeah, I have no idea who it's going to be." And, and his son, mean, his son told him it was like his son's idea or something. Somebody told him, you know, Darth Maul's this character that's in Star Wars. No, <laughs> he's him. he, he's pretty, he's pretty cool. Put him in. Yeah. Like, okay. Thanks. But but the thing though is that like when Zenger and I were talking about uh, Palpatine and Solo, we're like, oh, this doesn't make sense. And then when Palpatine was announced for the Rise of Skywalker in April, we're like, oh, it makes sense now. Somebody heard that Palpatine was going to be in a Star Wars movie, and it was at the same time that Episode Nine was in development, and they got their wires crossed. And I Maybe. Think that- that's why I think what happened. I think there's so. I think Lucasfilm is doing a hundred. I think part of the problem is that they're bo- they're doing nothing. And they're doing a million things at the same time. Well, I think there's so many small things that it's it's easy to be like, oh, this is happening here, but it's really happening there instead. Or they or they shot a alternate ending of Solo where it's Palpatine, and it was no more work than it was for Lucas to replace that scene in The Empire Strikes Back. You know what I mean? They just fired him up sure. and did a hologram session. They might have done a Vader one and a Palpatine one, and then like played them Test all back to back. Yeah, it's possible. But that's I think that's the thing at the end of the day is that there's a lot of there's so many wires being crossed and you need that corroborating like factor that some of this stuff has again to go back to the uh, the reddit rumors about the production of the rise of skywalker um there's there's i do think there's a lot of merit to that um again i i don't know i'm just using my own uh uh, my, my wisdom and just stuff that I've acquired is secondhand knowledge of how Disney works. And I'm trying to connect the pieces the best that I can. Um, but that's the weird thing though, with this company is that they, they, they have a nasty habit. And I know, I think, uh, Rob and I talked about it. I and Russ can attest to this in the three hour long Disneyland fun <laughs> episode, the, the last half an hour, like we talk about just Disney as a company. And this is the one thing I kind of feel like I'm ringing the bell when it comes for star Wars fans and nobody will listen to me is that like Disney has a horrible habit that if a property is not making money for them, they abandon it. Like we were joking about the black hole, but look at Tron. I imagine Chris can tell you there is a diehard legion of Tron fans out there in Disney doesn't care about them. Like the moment a, a property stops making money, they drop it. So it's like, think about it. Solo bombed. Rise of Skywalker's a disappointment. There's only so many times they're going to try this. And yes, I'm not saying they're going to drop Star Wars entirely. Um, there will always be people out there who are going to buy Star Wars stuff because it has the logo on it. But there's a very real possibility that we don't get any more Star Wars films. I, I honestly think, considering this company is so reactive in nature, they just say, you know, what the hell with it? Let's just keep everything on the streaming service. It's, you can control the narrative better that way, and you don't have to share any data. They, they can spin the man. Let's say only three people watch The Mandalorian. We're never going to know that because they can spin the narrative however they like in a way they can't do with a film in theaters. That would be weird if it was just the three of us, and not even Chris. That had seen the Mandalorian. <laughs> Canada, Canada's um, 
what I, um, that's the UK that doesn't have it. But, um, <laughs> but I, I've just been watching YouTube summaries of the episodes and I've, I've tricked you guys that I know what's going on. But yeah, yeah we know we posted those. We're the only three of us. <laughs> right. But I have to ask though. So why? I, this is the thing I have to ask Chris because Chris is a listener and he also has his finger on the pulse of the Star Wars fan base. When I make these comments, Chris, am I am I a crazy person for saying all this, or do you see any sort of? Does this make sense to you, or am I just uh, again? I am I'm I'm a madman. You're gonna have to come a tad more specific than that. We've covered a lot of ground here. Like what? no. But, but, no what? <laughs> Like what do you what that's fair, fair fair but I mean you know, like I make the comments about like I know a, f- a couple months ago with Robin Zenger I made the comment about there being like an organized conspiracy against Star Wars and uh, Robin Zenger kind of laughed at me some people in the Facebook group are like okay you might be on to one something. of the listeners talked to me and said that that was pretty far out there and I was like yeah. <laughs> well, you got a you got a, a PM complaint about the. Oh no, no 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 no! It wasn't a PM. It was a direct like I had a conversation with the person. Oh, fascinating. <laughs> um, but okay, so I, I I make these comments on here and they kind of go nowhere because Zenger and Russia. So this one went somewhere. But but the point being though is like when I make comments about like Disney abandoning Star Wars, is that just ramblings to you, or do you see something like that happening? If these things continue to underperform, when you when 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 like if we're gonna give any credence to the to the leaks about the production details that we're seeing right now, when when if you're gonna concede that like if the studio is gonna mess with J.J. Abrams as much as we're hearing, and it could be all false, but let us let's assume down the road it, we it comes out that he was devastated during the post production process. He was so unhappy with the final cut. He did, he had his cut. Then they kind of compromised on a worse version that he didn't like, and then he went away for a couple days, and they re-edited it again. If we're if if we're anywhere close to to that's how it played out, then a conspiracy to sort of derail it slightly to put it on ice for a few years would not surprise me. Thank you. <laughs> Did you just want like vindication? Yes. I, say, oh, okay. I, I want everybody to know that I have these things I say on this podcast and it's like, I'll talk for 45 minutes straight. And then like the episode comes out and someone posts in the Facebook group. They're like, I laughed when Zenger made joke. And I'm like, Great. <laughs> I'm like this thing I've been thinking about for the entire week. Nobody cares about. Nobody like, can- this but- is the way. Like- <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to eat me. Well, it, it might, it, it, I don't know. It might be that I'm the only one who's listening to those theories and that's somehow related to how I ended up on this episode and everybody else is just laughing at what Zinger says. It's totally possible. But, um, but, but like if, but like, do we, if we really believe that like somebody like JJ is getting micromanaged to that degree, they're not just trusting in him saying like, you know, you did a good job the first time it made a lot of money. We're just going to trust you on this one. If, 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 if they're not willing to throw him a bone like which they did for Ryan Johnson by the sound of it, then anything's possible. Like absolutely anything's possible. Like we don't know what these maniacs are going to do. You know, it's funny me and Eric on our record of Zingness today, we're actually talking about that. Cause I was joking around about new mutants coming out finally. And we kind of got on a discussion topic of like the micromanaging of directors that a director can put out a movie, like make a movie, have their final cut, but then they get micromanaged, and it's like, is it still their movie in the end? Then, 
if, no. if it gets chopped up and sliced apart by somebody at a studio that's like, oh, well, this stuff didn't test well, so we need to take it out, or this isn't the way we wanted it. So, But then is, is that truly still a director's movie? Because no offense, if, if I sit there, let's say I, I edit a Zygnus episode or Zach edits a Knights of Vader episode to, to not sit there and have this be the, the revenge of Zinger um, for the Rise of Skywalker review on Zygnus, but let's say Zach edits this and he puts it up on um, this goes up on Podbean, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, it goes up on Podbean. Sometime in between him editing it and it going up on Podbean, someone else goes in and puts a ton of ads in there, chops out a few things he says, just butchers it up, but still makes it enough to where it can still make a profit and do something. Like how would like is it still Zach's thing then? No. Yeah, it's not. It, it, <laughs> Thank you. It, it no, and well, well, check, but but I mean, and this is why, and I mean, and you've and you've perfectly distilled the reason why episodes one through six are good and these are not, and it's quite simple, really. You have you have look at you have George Lucas, thirty one years old during the production of A New Hope, ten million dollar budget, ten million dollar budget. He thought of it. He directed it. None, no, no one involved in the rise of Skywalker has a tenth of that within them. They just don't, especially JJ. What's what original property has he ever come up with that demonstrated the the slightest understanding of 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 of, of myths, of archetypes, of of a story structure that that gives you anything? That, you know, he start, what was his directorial debut, Mission Impossible Three? That's not even. There's been better Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible Four or Five might be better than that. Wrap your head Super around that great. for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> that Mission Impossible might have gotten better since Number Three. No, but anyway, possible. <laughs> I, I confirm that, Super Eight is right yeah. where it was when it came okay, out. Okay, but Super Eight is yeah, super derivative as well, right? Like it's <laughs> super derivative. Eight, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. So like, I mean, you, you, like you can't. And and you even take that if I don't know how much you guys know about how the Empire Strikes Back was funded, but like George Lucas positioned himself to have creative control on that movie and and to keep the studio away, and mm-hmm. you you can't even you can't get anywhere near that kind of control, and no one involved in this project has anywhere near that kind of vision and passion about about the project. It's a job. It's about how they come away looking at the end of this. That's why JJ is not speaking his mind right now, aside from contracts that disable him from speaking his mind right now. <laughs> but, he, but he was pretty... Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. And But with JJ, he was, within 24 hours of the film being released... It was a Miyatopa if you don't like it, but he didn't really talk about anything. Oh, oh yes, <laughs> he made that comment in the first 24 hours. He's like, somebody asked him, and I know that video's been around a lot in the last few weeks where it's like, so what do you think about all the criticism? And he's like, they're right. And that's what he said. He was. He Whoa. Was, he, he was, and I, I think a lot of people took that as him, like you said, trying to sit there, play both sides, try to make everybody happy. The only thing that won't enrage every, like 50%. That's the, that's all he could say. I don't, but I, I think that com- JJ wouldn't be making that comment with any other film he's released so far. I just get the feeling because JJ's been doing a bunch of interviews, and even prior to this, um, 
the this Reddit rumor story, he's been uncharacteristically candid. Because I know I played it <clears throat> during our uh, the main Rise of Skywalker review, where somebody was interviewing him and asking him about the unaltered original trilogy, and he made a comment that was shocking. He goes, "I asked him about that, and the answer I got was very unsatisfying." And it makes and he says something. I know I'm paraphrasing here, but he says the answer they gave me makes no sense as to why they won't do that. And you don't think that that you don't think that his ongoing current experience with the post production process had somehow made him a little salty, and he just felt like saying something like that. But that's what I mean, though. I think that you're proving my point. That's what I mean. I think if JJ was happy with this film in any capacity, he wouldn't be making those comments. I think he is bitter. I think he is uh, maybe not bitter. I think he is frustrated. I think he when he 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 only did this. Once again, is a favor to Kathleen Kennedy, and they probably probably said, "Okay, we'll give you a longer leash to play on." And then back during the su- the rumor is during the summer they took the film away from him, and that's when they start. And apparently, the reshoots just started at the end of September. That's the that's Ooh. the rumor. It was two it was two months of reshoots, mo- like days before the film was supposed to. I'm sorry, weeks before the film was supposed to come out. That's that's the unofficial story. Again, all this is again. There's we got sprinkle in some allegedly's, some conjecture, oh. some speculation, but few accusatory statements. And sure. did you guys also remember hearing a lot of stuff about how? I, I, you're going to have to help me out with who was saying it, but I remember hearing quotes from people involved in the production that the ending is just going to blow your mind. And Kevin I think Smith. maybe, yeah, and, that was and, and, and I, and I think even, and I think Don, Don Williams said it as well. I think he's made some comment about the ending just being insane. So like yeah, there Kevin is, Smith wasn't allowed to go in the room to see what was happening. Cause it would have blown his right. mind. So what even was that? What was I'm, th- well, I, I, I'm guessing, I'm guessing, I'm guessing that that was a set and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that that was, would have been the Lars Homestead set because they obviously didn't go to Tunisia to film it. So they rebuilt it somewhere. So I'm guessing that that's what they didn't, he didn't want Kevin Smith to go look at because he was talking about a physical set and they weren't actively shooting on it. But, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I'm, I'm pretty sure Don Williams is just in that same interview we were talking about earlier, says something about how the ending is just like, it's going to melt your brains and like it that it tells you that that's not the ending we saw yeah i I, my brain didn't melt too much i mean i like the film but i didn't melt my brain i'll say that but that and and mine was pretty okay too yeah (laughs) but that ending makes on a thematic and narrative level that ending makes no sense and I think there's also an indicator because there is you're talking, about the, you're talking about the rumored ending or the one that's in the movie. Oh, no, when we got in the fit, no, nobody knows what this, if there is an alter, if K, okay, if this alleged alternate ending exists, nobody knows what it is. I, I haven't read any rumors. So, on it. so, so I, my, my assumption was that was the inclusion of actually seeing all those force ghosts. When she was standing there at the homestead, yeah, like I heard, I don't know, if, like, see, I don't know what how valid all these rumors are, but I caught one that was saying they were all filmed, and the dialogue you heard was parts of that, yeah, and, that Anakin was filmed, and then and, uh, and they literally Lord somehow physically stopped Palpatine from killing her or something like that, and that might have melted my brain, depending how it was played, how it played out. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I, okay, that, that part I have, uh, that, that scene, okay, I know I'm the one who likes to have conspiracies on here, but even that scene, again, I, I, I would believe they would bring all these actors in, just film them, just for the sake of having it on, re- they could always use it later. Some of those things where you I, have well, it in the I, can. 
I believe it just because you have those Jedi who you'd never know who they were by their voice. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, interesting. Because like you don't know what any of those those Jedi sound like. So how else? Like, but they're a visually iconic. You'd you'd recognize them in an instant from the prequels and Clone Wars and all that. Well, okay. There's there's two things. That there. is a good point. Yes, that that is a very good point. That's that was one of the comments Chris made on in the Facebook group and i that's why i wanted to talk to him about that um i agree with you i, I do think that certain characters like we talked about like adi galia ayla secura luminara and Dooley, um on paper in just their voices like i don't care how diehard of a star wars fan you are no star wars fan can pick out ayla secura from, from just hearing her without seeing who she like in the moment you see her you know who she is but just a voice you have no idea she i don't think she has a single speaking line in any of the films in the Clone i know Wars, she, she did yeah yeah oh yeah i know she's in the Clone yeah. wars but in she in the films no um but the thing i have to say about that and this is kind of my uh devil's advocate argument to what you just said is that the reason why they chose ayla secura luminara unduli adi galia is because if you take them out and think, okay, I want you all, if you were, if you're JJ Abrams or if you're the director of episode nine and you want to have a sequence where all the dead Jedi talk to Ray, which Jedi, and please be serious, please no force ghost Wampa's arm. If you, yeah, I know cross him off the list. If you're going to name actual Jedi characters that people are going to recognize, who do you pick? Not not random, but people that they'll actually recognize based on just from watching the series. It's, it's all of them except those three that you just named. <laughs> Probably. Yes, yes, yes. Mace Windu. Yoda, Yoda yeah. tops the list. Mace Windu. Okay. Pause, pause, Yoda, pause, 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 pause. And what do all those have in common? They were They've been in the films. I understand. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, You got it. You got it. I said I was saying this before too. Obviously, even if you just look at it from an wait. aesthetic aesthetic point of view, it's that's nice not here. Where I'm some... go- that's right. not where I'm going with this though. What? Think, you got it right. Put, put yourself. No, no, nobody's gotten it right yet. Oh. Put. And this is another reason why also Ben Solo dies. It's the same reason. If you had just Mace Windu, Obi Wan, Yoda, Anakin. Those are all men. There's no women there. And if you don't have any women encouraging Ray, you're going to be misogynistic. And remember, the Force is female. And that's why they put Ayla Secura. And again, I have no problem with this. I'm just I'm pointing out an observation. I'm not saying it's true or false. Just it's got more on Lucas uh, on not making many yeah, more identifiable but, but, of, of female force users that we cared about. That we cared about. But much. it but it doesn't matter though because if you it's the same reason why Ben Solo had to. I think it's one of the reasons why Ben Solo had to die was that remember a bunch of people subscribe to a very specific uh, viewpoint or ideology on feminism, and that's the feminism of uh, women don't need some women don't need men. And I think Ray was always crafted. Again, this is my own perspective. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to project. This is my own observation. Ever since Kathleen Kennedy wore that Forces Female t-shirt, and she can do whatever she wants. I'm not saying she's wrong or right for wearing it. Heck, at this point, if I saw one of those, I'd buy it in a New York Minute. Hey, go to heruniverse.com. It's, it's, right, it's all right. this. Let's just say heruniverse. There we go. Oh, is it? it okay. If it's, I, 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 I guarantee I'm sure it is. You know, but, you, you, got, you put it on the wall right beside the MAGA hat, right? It's <laughs> anyways uh, um, but i think that's how you cause a fire make alderaan <laughs> gone again why, why? 
or, or, um, no, but the point. Let me finish my thought though about the cat about the Ray thing, and, and it's just I think the idea is that if you don't have any female Force Ghost. I think they would see that as problematic. And I think that goes to the reason why Ray is alone at the end. It's the notion of Ray is a strong, powerful woman, and she doesn't need a man to make her complete. <laughs> She's complete without him. And I think that's a very specific reason why he dies. Yes, they do have the kiss at the end, but I think there's a reason to say that Ray is going to grow because of his absence remember there was a big thing going into this daisy ridley gave an interview back i think during celebration 2019 that there that lucasfilm was very concerned about the 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 if they did have ray low the toxicity that would promote the fact that having an abusive <laughs> male lover that was a thing that daisy ridley said again i'm paraphrasing but that was a thing that she mentioned in an interview. And remember, this is this is the weird stuff that people think of in Hollywood. These are things that concern them. How, explaining how Kylo Ren is able to fly a TIE fighter that doesn't have hyper have a hyperdrive is not their concern. <laughs> the politically correct aspect of it is something that concerns them. And I'm not saying they're wrong or right. They can do whatever they want. It's their film. They can do as much as it or as little as they deemed so but i do think that's the reason why you got those jedi i think chris's theory makes a lot of sense i would love love to believe that there's actual footage of that somewhere and i think he makes a fantastic argument but i think the reason why you got such obscure jedi in that sequence is because they needed to have female jedi and just having ahsoka i think a lot of people would have seen that as, as token feminism the same way a lot of people are seeing that they edited out the lesbian kiss at the end um in certain territories around the world as uh, virtue signaling in America. Remember, there, there, there's a lot of weird narratives around in Hollywood nowadays, and they and they're trying. I think that's the reason why this film, another casualty or another bullet in this film, is the uh, it tried to please everybody. For for even though JJ says, "Oh, how can you please everybody?" This film tried to please everybody, and like anything in life, when you try to please everyone, you end up pleasing no one. Hmm. So is that why he embodies himself as the um, an abused droid who is just taking <laughs> orders and is scared of human interaction at this point because he is embodied as Dio in this film? You know, there, the, like that could be. It also could be that they they checked it out and like it just seemed like it was an inevitable comment when they played that first cut where it was just dudes, male forced ghosts talking to Ray. And it was just an inevitable comment that it just uh, like audibly sounded unbalanced. It's a question a lot of people are going to bring up. So we need to just deal with it before people start asking about it. Yeah, they had a because gag and were high-fiving yeah, too. It, it was well, really like, very yeah, toxic. Yeah. It was like, uh, yeah. And then, and <laughs> they, and they then, cat called her. <laughs> God, well, I'm sorry. Knight of Air does not condone the cat calling, uh, the force ghost no, cat calling of young, of young Jedi. But you know, it was, some, it was something like that. It was something like that because it kind of breaks the canon, right? Because like we see, we see, we see Adi Gallia. We no, sorry, we see Ayla Secura get horribly shot in the back, and then her corpse continue to get shot after she's already dead by these <laughs> clones. And then, Ow. you know, about 40, about maybe 45 minutes later, we hear Yoda first start telling Obi-Wan that you can survive death, but you have to do it this specific exact way <laughs> before you die. So, yeah, so, you know, it kind of breaks their sort of, their, 
because with Clone Wars, they have really gone pretty deep with the sort of mythology of how the Jedi survived death. So whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. So you're saying that I have to sit there? It's the last four episodes. No, no, no. So you're saying I have to sit there, battle somebody to some amazing music, have my Padawan watch me behind some beam wall thing, get knocked in my freaking face with a lightsaber hilt, and then get stabbed directly in the gut by some guy that looks like the living Satan. And that's how I can become a force ghost? Well, I, I thought it had... I guess, you know... Because remember... <laughs> Obi-Wan was told that his master Qui-Gon was able to do this, so... Kind of. He, to do it right, you have to disappear. Qui-Gon, he can only talk, because he didn't disappear at the end. He didn't poof into No, nothing. they did... Okay, this... Okay. Oh, I, hate, I hate being a Star Wars fan. <laughs> they burned him. They burned him. Yeah. No, what, but what happened was I think Chris, you mentioned it in the Lost Missions. He talks to Yoda. It's like a bunch of like sparkly, glowy lights. Yeah, and then in the stupid from a certain point of view book that I hate. Oh, we're so back much. to this. We're back to this. Yeah, he's in that book. Obi Obi Wan talks to Qui Gon when Luke goes off to the Lars homestead, and Qui Gon man manifests himself like a Force ghost. Because since then. Qui-Gon has learned how to become a sparkly, glowing yeah, Force Ghost. That, but you can't take that, you can't look at that book as actual canon. It is like canon. It is canon. It, it's canon that that, that, no that individual perspective is like it's it's can't it's you know, have you never met someone who is completely delusional about ex- the existence? <laughs> That's what's canon about that. You're getting a window into the madness of someone. <laughs> you mean of someone who doesn't accept episode two as canon and exactly. just crazily screams about it? Exactly. Heck, you should be well versed in something like that. <laughs> but that book is not okay. I know the differentiation Chris is trying to make here is that I know there's the book it's called the title the, of the book. I, I yeah, I know <laughs> it's a cute title, but I, it's not meant to be one of those titles that's supposed to be. Uh, it's not a book that's meant to be like you decide. It's, it's like Star Wars What If, correct? And you no, know, no, you know no. Mar- if Marvel's going to do a show like that, they're, they're going to do a Star Wars show like that. Where it's you're, like telling, a, you're telling me that Boba Fett scene is canon? That Boba it, Fett story is canon? It's supposed to be. It is. Like, okay, this is the, okay. let me go back to the differentiation. Is that the only example, I, I know, there's certain things in Star Wars that are in, in the canon that are supposed to be taken with a, like a, a giant like grain Keep, of salt. Yeah. But there's the two examples I can think of, and the one that I've only read, is there's the book The Legends of Luke Skywalker. And that book is meant to be ambiguous because it won't there's like five or six short stories about Luke Skywalker. And the thing about it is that they're all told from a they're they're told in canon in the sense of like it's somebody telling a tale. The first story is somebody like actually giving their own version um, of the events of a new hope. And it's really goofy. It's about like all these things that happened at the end of it's about some guy like in a bar telling the story while he's drunk. And at the end of the story, it's like it's Luke Skywalker's there and he walks out of the bar and someone goes, wait, if that guy was making it all up, why didn't you correct him? And Luke's like, well, sometimes it's, it's someone's perceptions more important than the actual, like factual nature of the story. And, and that's the first story. That's the first I mean, story. And that it frames whole the whole book. And w- w- that's an incredibly large theme in this, in, in this, entire like especially the last jedi that's a huge theme of that movie like yeah for sure yeah i know i i i I know what you're getting at though but i'm talking more and less of a lens of like star wars mythology and more as like a bunch of nerds having like a knowledge pissing contest right that's how i'm looking again that's what this show is 
Eh, sometimes yeah. it's a lot of things. Okay. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of something going on. Someone's getting pissed on. And that's what it feels like half the time. But it's that's the thing though. Is that like the, Star Wars is this weird thing where you either look at it as just space fantasy nonsense. You go in just you know what I want some space fantasy for two hours. Did I get that? Yes or no. And the answer is yes. Every Star Wars film gives you space fantasy for two hours. If that's if that's your only metric to grade any of these movies on, they all do a phenomenal job at it. Yet there's also the angle, of, like we've mentioned, is that like how canon-breaking a lot of what Disney's doing as of late. Like I said, the Rise of the Resistance ride is canon-breaking. Um, this film does a bunch of things that kind of bend the canon almost to the point of snapping. Um, but at the end of the day, it's Disney, and they can write themselves out of any corner they so choose. They can all they have to do is give Pablo Hidalgo a little bit of a leeway to tell someone in a comic book, have Ala Secura show up. And that's all you gotta do. It's, it's it's literally one line of dialogue in a book, comic, TV show. Think about it, in Mandalorian season two, Baby Yoda's gonna teach Force Ghost Adi Galia how to uh, commune mm. with Rey in the Rise of Skywalker. Like that that's the that's the problem with connecting dots in Star Wars nowadays as a fan is that it's such a vast universe. There's always ways for us to just connect these things that we do a lot of the heavy lifting for the creatives because we are so much more ingrained in this than they'll ever be. Yeah, Am I wrong? We're connecting the dots for them and they get to put the picture together later, it feels like. Yes, exactly. And that's what and, and, good. And why, why, and, and, and I don't know, I don't know, I'm just speaking for myself here, but like it, before the Disney purchase, it never felt that way to me. I don't know. Is that just, is well, that an age thing? I don't no, know. It, 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 felt, it felt, it was a lot more rigid and, and we knew the, uh, the framework we were working and when, even when they went back and did Lucasfilm stuff like, uh, Knights of the Old Republic and all, at least it was all original and it wasn't, you know, it's, it's his own thing. They, Disney needs to. If they're going to keep it going, they got to do something new. But I think what it comes down to, I think it's a conversation that Chris and I had when he visited me in New York. Um, George Lucas is a madman. He can do whatever. It's his creation, like you said earlier, Chris. He can do whatever he wants with it. it he created it. And yes, you can then have an argument about autorism, whether I think about it. How much of Star Wars is George Lucas? How much of it is Chris McQuarrie? How much of it is uh, uh, Dennis Muir? I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't believe I did it. It's late. It's almost midnight. Forgive me. Gotcha. Uh, well, thank it's you. Chris with a K, too. Oh. <laughs> um, I heard but, him pronounce it with a C. <laughs> um, but no, the point being is that, like, how much of it is Ralph McQuarrie? How much of it is Dennis Murin? How much of it is Phil Tippett? How much of it is just all these things? It, it's, again, it's an, you can make an argument about autorism from all this. But ultimately, it's his name on the credits. Uh, Star Wars was going to live or die. Or was gonna, I'm sorry, George Lucas's career was going to live or die by the success of Star Wars, and we all know how that turned out. But because it was his creation, he built it more or less from the ground up. But when Disney buys it, it inherently adds a layer of what's the right word to say this wax and uh, sanitation no no, 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 no. Well, no well you're not wrong but i don't think it's the exact word i'm looking for kind of like a layer of um oh my god something Insanity? that sure it almost invalid like a, a layer of just it's invalid yeah, yeah because, because i, I like follow 
Yeah, it's a layer of hollow because it's not theirs. They bought it. It's kind of like what happened to Star Trek once Gene Roddenberry died. It's the idea that, like, okay, it's no longer... And it's the analogy that Chris presented. I don't, I don't think you said it was yours. You saw it. You heard it on one of the other podcasts that the what the original trilogy is the Old Testament, the prequels are the New Testament, and the sequel trilogy is the Book of Mormon. Well, I would I would uh, switch I would say the I, Left Behind series. I would switch the OT and the PT in that analogy in terms of messaging. But yeah, I don't, th- I don't think it's okay. Sure, I, I can't argue yeah. on that though. But the idea of like the the how that when they were created. Yeah. One one is clearly derivative of the other in that scenario, um, but I think that's what it is. I think the moment you have a soulless, multi-billion-dollar multinational corporation come in, whose sole intent is to suck the daylights out of it, Joseph Smith, JJ <laughs> Smith, yeah, dumb, 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 dumb. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, again, I think that's what it comes down to is that no matter what Disney creates, there's always going to be that layer of just like Russ said, hollowness to it. And we have to, as fans, either accept this or not. If you can't accept it, then you have your original trilogy and it's never going anywhere. Go, go find your 4k restorations of the unaltered original trilogy, sit in your, sit in your living room and just watch those ad nauseum. They're never going away. Um, but if you do want, like, it's like what Force Ghost Jim always says: if you do want anything new, just be happy that you, it's not dead. Thank God it's not a Tron that's just not sitting there, just rotting somewhere. And that's where I think my love for the Rise of Skywalker comes from. Um, objectively speaking, I think the film is is a mess. I think it has a lot of problems. But as a Star Wars fan that's been in this now for over twenty years, um, I got everything I wanted out of this film. I, I think it's. I think uh, the more and more I look at Star Wars, I, I especially more the Disney era, I think every film kind of gave me what I needed at the specific time. Not to make this into a Matrix thing, but it's kind of like, uh, like what was it, the uh, Trinity in the or- in the Oracle? Star Wars gave me exactly what I needed in that exact moment. Um, in 2015, I don't think I was ready for the Star Wars that I needed. I think I needed to kind of see Star Wars in a new perspective, that it wasn't this thing that was going to be always perfect. I needed that film to make me realize, oh, wait, I have to be objective with Star Wars. And then 2016, when my faith in Star Wars was at its absolute lowest, I got Rogue One that made me say, wow, Star Wars can be great again. Star Wars can do new things. It doesn't have to be tied to pre-existing lore and i know that's a really strange thing to say about rogue one and then last year i completely changed the way i ever looked at star wars it made me appreciate star wars on a level as a film scholar which at that point i didn't know was possible um solo <laughs> so solo 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 like chris said it, it's a joy ride it's not meant I to ate be popcorn during the film it exactly nice. exactly yeah <laughs> nailed it in the rise of skywalker i think the rise of Sky- skywalker has the skywalker. right level of schmo- <laughs> yeah uh, it is getting it? too late for zach yeah, I know. I'm tired. I'm getting bleary-eyed. Um, but I know. I think The Rise of Skywalker gave me exact. It had that right layer of schmaltz. I think it, as much as everybody talk, talks about J.J. Abrams and schmaltz, it's the first time in his entire career I was I, I ate up what he was giving me, even if it wasn't what he wanted. Um, and, and plus, I am I am a psycho. I love I love these weirdo films where the studio medals. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Give me a Batman v Superman over a Civil War any day. I'd rather have the uh, admirable failure than the uh, the safe uh, double. Tomorrowland. <laughs> have George well, Clooney have George Clooney fall in love with a little robot girl any day of the week. Well, yeah, and fight Doctor House. 
that I uh, like I I I can appreciate that perspective. I did obviously go to see it, and I got some, I derived some enjoyment out of it. But so to 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 keep us, to, I I guess we're we're getting pushing two and a half hours. So I I just want to I, I want to say something good about this movie that that <laughs> that the the one moment that really spoke to me incredibly powerfully was was when 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 Ben gets to talk to his father for the for a few minutes and and I can't separate myself I can't view these movies as if I'm just there experiencing the narrative anymore I don't know when it happened but it's impossible anymore I can't help but think about the production the details who it is why they're there what they're why doing is, why is Harrison Ford so yeah, and, today, and, yes. and 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 that and in a lot of ways that was Harrison Ford not Han Solo to me and 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 <laughs> and, and you know and he he when he said when 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 Ben was talking about how how Leia's dead he can't go home there's no one there anymore and it was as it, it, it that one brief moment where Harrison Ford looks at him and just says, "I know." It's almost like an acknowledgement of how unbelievably messed up this whole situation is. And he's talking <laughs> to me as a viewer. He's talking to 2011 Chris, who freaked out that Disney bought this thing. He's talking to alternate universe Jason Solo, who was supposed to be sort of a good dude. <laughs> He's talking to like every he's addressing everything that's wrong with the current moment. And he's looking at me and he says, this is unbelievably messed up, but at least we're, at least we're here together at this last moment. And I, I like, it got me, I was into it. I believe in it. Harrison Ford looked like he wasn't, I didn't think he was hating his life being there. I think those two actors had an exchange that was worthwhile and it, it, on a meta level, which I think this movie is really winking at the audience all the time in inappropriate ways yep. that they should be. And that, and I don't think that was intended, but that's what I got from that moment. And I, and I, it's, it, I absolutely love that part of the movie. I'm not sure I feel the same way about any other part of it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. There's a lot. I think that's what it's weird. This movie's kind of like the antithesis to the last Jedi in the sense that there's a lot going on for maybe all the wrong reasons in the sense of there's, there's a lot of just, there's, there's layers in this film, but I'm not sure if it's the kind of layers that we want to be like, it's kind of more like CD underbelly than just like kind of like layers in a cake where it's like, oh wow, you just keep drilling down and keep finding more and more things to appreciate. This is like, oh, I I I didn't know this was here. It's kind of like you find like the skeletons. I'm like, oh, so that's where my pet gerbil that ran away during camp ended up. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, like if I like yeah, like if I knew that in in 2011 or whenever it was that 2012 when the announcement came out, if I knew that in roughly 2020, a 79 year old Harrison Ford would be telling me that it's okay, I might have felt a little better about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the pull quote on the DVD box in a couple yeah. months. Harrison Ford gives it a tacit 45 degree thumbs up. <laughs> As his plane is crashing on a golf course. <laughs> that's not Harrison Ford. Landing you can walk away from. That's not Harrison Ford ended up on the Death Star. He was flying his plane. He crashes into the Death Star. He met... <laughs> Oh, he God. crashed his oh, coffin. Okay. <laughs> oh damn! Well, he's, I ended he's, up here. Can you? Did you guys realize that there's? Did you Did you guys realize there's two people in this movie who previously in a previous film had fell down a Death Star shaft and they're now back? 
<laughs> Those things don't kill you, apparently. Well, come on. Think about in Star Wars, in all honesty, whether it be Darth Maul, Han Solo, Emperor Palpatine, like if you get like thrown down like a never-ending chasm, there's a very real possibility. You have you a one hundred percent chance of life. It happened yeah, to Ben. Why was Phasma back? She she fell down an impossible thing. She should have been. Russ, back. Russ, Russ. They gotta say something for Episode Ten. Yeah, it's true. Uh, you know, JJ. Of all the things, that sounds like the thing he was the most upset about. He's like, but why did he kill like Phasma? Like that was my thing. <laughs> Too bad. Wait, not only did you kill her, but you gave her, like, most interesting character development to the cutting room floor. Yeah. And she shot all those stormtroopers. But hey, we still got, I'm the spy. <laughs> uh, okay, I have to ask, uh, Chris, what's your opinion on uh, General Hux? <laughs> Use three sentences, four if you have to. Words or sentences? It, it's, it's another one of those moments that, that I... I feel like they're breaking the fourth wall way too strongly killing him that early. I feel like there was so much negative sentiment towards the prank phone call that like, it's almost a direct result of that. (laughs) Fair. Talk about a two movie setup of tension between these two characters. And that was the, like the final payoff. Because the prank phone call. He's it proved that he's not dangerous. He's not a force to be reckoned with. No, he was what a boob. Does he was a boob after nine. Let's invent yeah. a new general that's scary and kill him immediately. Yeah, with a pot shot and it's, he's over it, and he's comic relief. It's like it's like they fi- gave a form to everyone who watched the Last Jedi, and that's what they wanted. Not not only that, you gave like okay, so you get a new character. You get him actually having some character development of like he wants. You know he's helping the resistance because he he's out for himself. Well, that's the that's so. the, that's in the ending of the Last Jedi. He would like that's a kind of a cool moment when he thought about shooting Kylo while he was down. But that's you know <laughs> that's the yeah. only foreshadowing to that. But that's like that was already sort of there that he's just sort of vying for power and he thinks Kylo Ren's a basket case. But yeah, they they set yeah, that up in Force Awakens too with them two going back and yeah. forth with each other. It was like a this constant power struggle. Yeah. But once once you get yeah, the, the last payoff one, in this movie is. He's a spy, bang. No, wait, sorry. He's the spy, bang. It was a, it was a, it was a fun kill, but like you know, it I'm not was. watching Friday the Thirteenth, so like. I mean, my gosh, those things. That's why those stormtroopers can't shoot anything. They have so much kick behind them. You have to be on top of somebody to kill them. It all makes sense now. Yeah, we'll say that about this uh, this latest trilogy. Boy, the kick of the blasters has just be, has been priority since Force Awakens. Yeah. Immediately, just everyone just flies so far with these things. When you watch Empire and those like those troopers get shot on on Cloud City, they're just like kind of crumple down and their little squib same, packs go off. Yeah, they barely same move. Same gun, same same bowcaster, exactly, same yeah. gun, same everything. Yeah, yeah, the bowcaster, of course. Yeah, yeah. Moss gave him an upgrade. It should have been flying off a of cloud city if they were shooting. You know, that's just going to update the Bashing movie. Bashing through walls. <laughs> don't don't tempt them to do a new special edition where that actually happens. But um, the blaster shots we wanted to do in the original trilogy but couldn't now are here. That, anytime that, something gets nicked, it like blows a gigantic oh hole and stuff. Greedo goes goes flying through the cantina wall <laughs> <Shit>. now. <laughs> Imagine if that was on Disney Plus, Empire Strikes Back, and it was George like five years ago. <laughs> wow. I like to imagine that the McClunky if the Empire Strikes Back is a Han- when Han Solo shoots Vader's hand, but instead of Vader stopping the blaster shots, Vader just goes flying out the window behind him. 
And Han looks at the blaster. Han, Boba Fett just Boba Fett looks too. <laughs> or like he catches the blaster and somehow is moving with it like a cartoon, you know, just flying through Cloud City. Like, well, how do we get here? <laughs> do, you, do you think McClunky is totally because George was like, if we have a close up of Greedo's face, it will look like really cool in 3D for like two seconds. <laughs> Do you think that's all it was about? That's thought all... about that, that we never did get to the original trilogy 3D releases. We that's only why... got episode one. Oh, okay. All right. They, all did, right. they yeah. did two and three. They showed them sometimes. Yeah, they showed them at Salvation, right? Yeah. Chris, you're in the know with collectors. Has any, has the 3D cut of the Phantom Menace ever leaked? Like, does anybody have a copy of that, like in a private collection? I've never heard of it, but you know, in the crowds, the, the the crowds I would hear from, they wouldn't prioritize something like that. They're really big on the they're the collecting their Blu-ray version of 4K 77 right now. But uh, okay, I yeah, I have I haven't I've. It's funny you mention it. I like I almost took for granted that maybe there was a 3D Blu-ray of that, but I guess there never was, right? No, I was always kind of waiting for that, but I think that got caught in the uh, the turmoil of the. Uh, the, the the sale because that yeah. no, that came, that was February that was 2012. the first thing X that was something on the books like episode one to come out and then yeah that was one of the first orders of business was cancel episode two and three D but that was but that was the weird th- the timing of that was peculiar too because episode one three D came out February 2012 and then Lucas Lucasfilm slated episodes two and three for September 2013. In October 2013, and everyone couldn't make sense of why are they waiting like a year and a half to release to the wait other a two. month? Yeah, yeah. Like that, considering that the special editions were released what January, February, March of 1997. I, I always had the 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 presumption that they would release them every year and hitting the 40th anniversary. It, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that would have lined up. I don't know, maybe not, but. But yeah, I know I agree with you, Russ. Everyone thought it was weird that he didn't. It was like, why are you doing it in September? Because it was they were going to be re- they were being released like from September to October, but they were going to be like two weeks away from each other. It was going to be like sep- like the last Friday of September mm. of twenty thirteen, then like the second Friday of October twenty thirteen. And everyone's like, why? Why? And this was back like during the spring of twenty twelve. No one could figure out why they were doing this. And then when I'll get the prequels over with, get them all yeah. quick. I still think that uh, episode one in 3D was uh, Lucas's uh, balloon test for uh, selling to Disney. I think Disney wanted to see some uh, current show of uh, audience interest in Star Wars in Lucas's way of proving to them that there was still money in this in a in a broad sense, not just from the nerds like us, was to re-release the most like the the most unpop. Uh, give me, okay, I'm trying to rephrase this the best way I can. Um, the most well-known dislike star wars film i think most star wars fans don't usually rank attack of the clone attack of the clones the lowest but to the filthy casuals the phantom menace is the one that's the quote-unquote most tarnished of all jar jar movie yeah yeah and i think lucas's way of proving to disney that there was money here was to re-release that and when that thing made like 45 million dollars it was like okay if this can make 45 million um there's no problem with Star Wars. Yeah, maybe right. that's at, that's at least my assumption, but who knows? Yeah, it makes sense when when you hear in Bob Iger's book they were talking about how he didn't have anything in production, so you could see him try to fire up something like that real quick. I saw. Did I ever tell you guys I saw that midnight in February 2012? Yeah, I think I did too. But but I just remember being severely underwhelmed by the 3D effect. Some of it was good. Other parts were like what. 
I just, I, I mean, in general, I think post-conversion 3D is an absolute travesty, and anyone who considers themselves a film fan of any kind should never see anything that was post-converted because it's going to hurt your eyes. It's not how it's supposed to look, and it wasn't shot in 3D, and you're seeing it slightly darker than you would if you just saw it the way it was filmed. So do yourself a favor and find out if it was shot in 3D. God, I saw Solo in that like that. <laughs> if you think Solo is dark enough already, watching it in a bad theater and trying to watch it in 3D. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's offensive as a concept. It really is because it's like that. You there, if it would be so expensive to do it right that you know they're not, and you can tell by looking at it that they're not. Yeah. Yeah, 3D was an interesting gimmick. Well, when it's something's filmed in 3D, it actually looks 3D. It's unfortunate that when a movie, it seems that the movies that do that are usually stuff that people end up hating, like Avatar and the most profitable film ever, Avatar, that people hate. And then and the, and the Hobbit tr- trilogy was filmed in 3D. Like, visually, it looked really cool. But uh, what the heck was that, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they, it's, they, they unfortunately spend that kind of money on, on films that they shouldn't. Good old Pierre Jackson. First three are good. All right. <laughs> All right. Chris, any other final words about the Rise of Skywalker before we wrap this up? The Han Solo scene is good. They came very close to ruining the Emperor. I It, it, it made me rethink a lot of life decisions. And I'm kind of like tacitly curious to if they do. And I really hope they put it on ice for like five years film wise. I don't think they will. But if they do that, I'm kind of excited for what the perspective of let's maybe try this with a little bit lower stakes and somebody who has a unique idea down the road. That's what I think that could be good. I I hope they don't rush back into it. Okay. Just because we have you here um, with this whole thing of the high Republic and we're probably going to delve into this later episode. What does that sound promising to you? Have you, I would imagine you've read that story, right? Yeah, uh, it, it it's kind of a, it's a little bit um like it's in, it's kind of a time period that wasn't heavily touched on in the old expanded universe stuff and I don't think I think that's probably on purpose why they're sort of going there because it's a super blank canvas like all the other expanded universe stuff that was previous was like thousands of years previous for the most part. What I don't like about it is is sort of like if you're if you're t- canon breaking wise, if you're sort of taking the the version of the old Republic that were presented in in the prequels and A New Hope, it there shouldn't have been a whole lot going on. It should have been a pretty peaceful time. So we'll see. I, I don't know. Like I'll, I'll like like I I I wish they had just done that instead of Episode Seven. I, I'll put it that way. But uh, but but uh, I'm I'll, I'm kind of interested, like any Star Wars fan would be. Yeah. All right, Russ and Zanger, I, I I would imagine we'll be discussing that in the coming weeks, and along with other Rise of Skywalker nonsense. But until then, anything else? Any other parting words of wisdom from you two? Uh, as far as Rise of Skywalker, no. I still enjoy it. Can't wait to go see it again. But everything else was said earlier. I'm good. All right. <laughs> Did Zanger like Rise of Skywalker? That's a good question. <laughs> Tune into the Knights of Vader sub episode on Zingness called The Rise of Skywalker Review to find out more. We're going to do one more hour on Patreon, right, guys? Right. <laughs> um, I guess long and simple answer. I, I did enjoy it. There are problems with it. But if you sit there and just continue to tell yourself, um, Russ, if you would. 
Remember Alderaan! Thank you. Good night. No, I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> we don't know. I, I meant this is the way, but okay. Yeah, that works too. <laughs> We're all tired, people. Even the soundboard's tired. Um, this is the way. Thank you. If, if you just keep telling yourself this is the way... I mean, I, I, I kind of side with Jim, to be honest, at times, in the whole, like... The original trilogy is, like, still my favorite thing, but I'm happy we're getting new Star Wars. Is it stuff I like all the time? Eh. There, is that a good enough answer? Yeah, I think we all think think very similarly, which is interesting. Thanks for having me on, guys. Have a great night. No, Uh, no, thank thank you for for putting up with us and having Zach tear out, I think, a little bit more of his hair today. I... I want to point out that Chris reviewed us on like Apple iTunes, like Canada, and he has one of the greatest reviews we've ever gotten. No, 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 no. He does not. We are in the realm of the recent uh, Saddam Hussein review, so oh. do not speak ill of that, sir. You, you know what? While, while I pull up uh, Chris's review, I remember of, it quite uh, well. What's <laughs> <laughs> what? You? Good old Saddam Hussein. I'll never get tired of that. That's weird. Oh, Knights of Vader is like ranked number like 191, like movie, TV, film in Mexico. Oddly enough, uh, go go figure. We're going. We're getting there. This is Chris's review of Knights of Vader from March of 2019, titled "Kool Aid Free." Of all the Star Wars <laughs> podcasts, I of all the Star Wars podcasts I've listened to, this one insults my intelligence the least. The host <laughs> might find the host might find that surprising, but it's true. <laughs> That's great. That that's a fantastic review. I am proud that, to have that. That is. Oh my god! I fully Thank stand behind this. it to this day. Have a great night, guys. So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Check out the Facebook group. Type in Knights of Vader in the Facebook, and you will find us there waiting for you. Find us on Instagram at KOV Podcast. Shoot us an email, kovpodcast at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to Anne Superiority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. If you're interested in a Knights of Vader t-shirt, once again, look at the show notes. For $22, you too can rep your favorite third-rate Star Wars podcast. For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter, at Cinemodies. Or you can come hear me on the Cinemodies podcast as we discuss Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, everybody's Ugh. favorite Charlie's Angels film. That film that film is insane. Everyone should go watch it. Um, but no. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. No, sh- sh- shut your mouth. Be quiet. Crispin Glover, Crispin Glover's in. He goes past practically the greatest performance of his career. But when you're not watching Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, Zenger, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on the, I guess, subcategory of this podcast, the Zingness podcast, where we uh, apparently just talk about Knights of Vader the entire time. As it should be. Um, Russ, where can people check you out? You can check me out on the Unbelievers podcast, coming back for season two in a week or two. That's it. Woot! And Chris, when you're not being the fifth or sixth premier Canadian Star Wars collector, what are you up to? You guys can find me in the lovely Knights of Vader Facebook group and on Instagram at the Chris Porteous. Zach, Zach, just got some news. He's now the seventh. Best. Oh, oh, he it, went it, down. It went down. I, I feel like tragic news. I feel like 
I feel like this is like 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 the stock market. It goes up or down. Sometimes he's fifth or sixth. Sometimes he's seventh or eighth. Sometimes someone fin- someone finished their transition run like right under the wire. Sorry. Exactly. You know, it fluctuates a lot on an annual basis. You really shouldn't look at it more often than that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you have to be uh, uh, bullish to this. Yeah. <laughs> Got got to wait to close a market, I guess. Oh, jeez. All right, everybody. Good night, but not goodbye. And as always, remember Alderaan, down with the Empire!